with you. Jay. And Ian. Ian, you're, you're sitting over there because your voice isn't feeling real good, and I'm going to give you a little break tonight, so I'm in the first chair. Uh, the number here to call in if you want to talk about whatever you want to talk about is 603-283-6160. It's 603-283-6160. For those of you who don't know me, it's been a little while since I've been on with Ian, but this is what we used to do all the time, and I am delighted to be back in the studio here in Keene, New Hampshire. And Ian, there's uh, an article out that just looks like, you know, like red meat for Free Talk Live. Um, This is a 24-page hit piece by the New Hampshire Democratic Party against the Free State Project. No, it's it's not the uh, New Hampshire Democratic Party. Uh, This is a different group. Uh, Granite State Matters. If you take all the same people and you shake them up in a box and you dump them back out into the same place, isn't it still the same organization? I mean, it seems like these are the usual suspects from the uh, New Hampshire Democratic Party. I mean, these are the the, the same same people. Not to say, you're right, it's not the Democratic Party of New Hampshire. They're like low-competent confidence incompetent mentally ill uh people best i can tell when i ran for state rep the guys i was running against uh they fit that description quite well i just they're just ridiculous they just want a nanny state they want to um you know they think more taxes more government fixes things and they're essentially cult members best i can tell you know they they take these lethal poisons uh, that aren't even, you know, certified safe. And, and they believe they're safe just because, you know, they're, you know, the uh, the people they worship say that they're safe. And, yeah. Yeah, they're, um, I don't know why. I've never been able to say why. But when the Free Staters came to New Hampshire, the Republicans, while there have been problems with Republicans throughout the 20 years or so of the Free State Project here in uh, New Hampshire, it's largely the Democrats that don't like the free staters. And when it's the Republicans, it is what I want to say is the parasite class Republicans, the people who want big government, the people who want more government, the people who are, you know, like there's a lot of Republicans that own, for example, construction companies to get, get these sweetheart deals on paving the road. You know, they get tremendous money from it because they're, you know, accredited and certified and, you know, essentially have the special permission from the state. And well, the way you get that is, in Massachusetts, the way it worked, like with these construction companies, that bunch of guys I grew up with, they all joined these like labor unions. And and even one guy was saying, telling me actually a couple of days ago, a friend of mine, uh, he's a local guy, uh, works for, I forget what he does, some kind of const- does concrete construction union. He lives here in New Hampshire, works in Boston. And his bosses are telling him that he has to be like a registered Democrat. And I'm like, can you please like, what? Yes. Yeah. He, I go, will you record this? You have a, a just, Take a video, put your phone in your pocket. I said, maybe you should start wearing a pocket with a, a a shirt with a breast pocket, and you have it so your phone sit there and just you know hit record and and because uh, these guys are telling them that they need to like make campaign to, uh, donations contributions yeah. contributions. There was a a company right in Palmer, Massachusetts when I was uh, a big company, Northern Construction, Northern Tree, and they were big Scott Brown supporters. Well, guess what? They get a lot of contracts to do. Uh, they and John Kerry supporters, but they get a lot of federal contracts to do like all kinds of stuff. They get um, for like um, cl- clearing the sides of the roads, the sides of the interstates, like the trees growing in, for doing that kind of maintenance, for doing the power line. They're actually working right here in uh, uh, right in my hometown uh, last couple of weeks, taking down trees, and it's yep. all 
government work. I've never heard a incident where a contractor in New Hampshire has gotten a New Hampshire contract based on this kind of insider graft kind of feel. I totally believe it in Massachusetts. But, I mean, Massachusetts has, what, 10 times the population that New Hampshire has? And it seems like it's a little harder to... Like, New Hampshire's this... It's got 400 state reps. Right. It's not worth bribing anybody because there's mm-hmm. just too many of them. Um, mm-hmm. it, have, would your allegation be that this is going on at a state level in New Hampshire? Because, I mean, I've never seen this kind of... So corruption I could put my finger on in in New Hampshire. Technically, what I'm talking about is Massachusetts, because the guy who's in the union is working in Massachusetts in Boston on high rise buildings. Yeah. And he's basically like, yeah, we are told we need to give X amount of dollars to a Democrat campaign. We're told to be Democrat. And like half the guys just are like pushing back really hard. And, And they're like they're basically saying like they can make their lives miserable is what they're telling this guy. And he's like. Well, we'll just not come to work, <laughs> and they're screwed because yeah. just the only because the the kind of people that are doing concrete work, they tend not to vote Democrat. Right, they're not that kind. They're hardworking people. They earn their dopamine hits from working as children, as I am in, instructing everyone else to do with since their children. kids. Yeah. yeah, since children. So, so all, all these guys that work these hard manual labor jobs and keep on going to work. Uh, you know, they're, they're rugged men. You know, a lot of them come out of the mountains of New Hampshire every single morning, venture into Boston to do that for $100 an hour for a union. But also, they vote, you know, they vote status d- Republican, is, is, is sure. my point. You know, these guys. And just like with the Northern Tree with, uh, in Massachusetts with um, Scott Brown, in, uh, for example, they were big Scott Brown supporters. And before that, they were like Kerry supporters. But like, you know, they got huge contracts in the big dig. I don't know if you ever paid attention to that, but... Yeah, the big dig was this uh, this uh, construction project that went on for like twenty years. Is probably a better way to put it. Yeah, twenty year long construction project where they spent way more and it took way longer than it was expected to yeah. take. And I I will say the end result. It's pretty nice when getting to the airport to be able to just zoom underneath all of Boston. Well, <laughs> but it was it was it was an extreme amount of money and. Uh, and and basically any con- construction company that was working there, I mean, these guys would just do whatever to get in on that gig. Sure. So I actually delivered hay to the big dig because they needed to do mm. like sil- erosion retention with the hay. Okay. So I would buy like just hay, and it was junk hay that yep, I was sure. basically buying. In fact, I was bringing them premium second cutting alfalfa because they needed so much hay for this job. And there was like three or four other guys I got, you know, hauling hay in there. But the uh, so the guy I was selling it to was a subcontractor of another company. But basically the end bill that like the the, the, the taxpayers were paying for this hay was something about $40 a bale. Plus every guy working on a job was a prevailing wage. And, and this was like 2003, 2002. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, something like that, early 2000s. Uh, every guy that was working on a job was like... Um, was like making like $51 an hour or $49 an hour prevailing wage, whatever. Plus they were getting like, you know, a couple hundred bucks per diem for, you know, getting a hotel room in the city. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's a major racket, but a lot of these guys were making, bringing home like five grand a week, you know, in, in, in these union jobs and they're working really hard. And a lot of them are, are far away from home when they're doing these things. I kind of think that's purposeful. I think that's a real good way to uh, keep the dads out of the out of the children's lives. Mm. You know, have them, you know, working hard, making all kinds of money, you know, too far away from home. So they're, you know, they get paid a couple hundred bucks for a hotel room for a night, you know, five or six nights a week. And and, and it's, but, it, but it racks up. But I was selling the hay to these guys for like 
four fifty, five bucks a bale, and I was, you know, making, I was selling it for the same money. Basically, I was selling good quality feed hay, but I was able to buy it for, you know, thirty percent or forty percent of like the quality feed hay price. You know, the different grades of hay, and uh, and and these guys are like just they're they're just loving it. I, you know, I I was doing good. I was, you know moving a product i got a lot of junk hay move for farmers one of the barns cleared out and got a great deal on it but it was like 40 something dollars a bale by the time the taxpayer by the time sure. all the pork was into it it's and- absolutely outrageous when you talk about anything that has to do with the taxpayer i mean you know this is just how the system works yeah when somebody when you spend your own money that you earned you're going to be really thrifty with it yeah if you spend the money that somebody else earned you're going to be less thrifty with it mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is it, like in Massachusetts, there was in 2007, we used to do these things where we brought all the Liberty Riders. My dad would bring a bunch of horses to these parades and stuff, and we'd put all the Liberty candidates on, the, uh, and you know, uh, Ron Paul-type candidates on horses and ride them through the parade. And there was an Indian fellow named uh, Kumal Jain was his name, and he was running for state auditor. And he worked in the auditor's office, and he had to like a bunch of students, like interns from like MIT or something, crunch a whole bunch of numbers, figure out stuff. One of the things that they figured out was... For each dollar of welfare that a welfare recipient got in Massachusetts, it cost a taxpayer forty-two bucks. Each dollar cost the taxpayer forty-two dollars. Yep, according to the Massachusetts Auditor's Office in like two thousand four, two thousand five. I have heard the numbers um, where ninety cents out of every welfare dollar goes to a middle-class bureaucrat in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that's even. I mean, what you're saying is is that something. Akin to uh, forty cents, uh, no, excuse me, uh, eighty cents out of every dollar. I don't remember. It's it's a it's a much larger number. Um, so I mean, basically forty two cents. Then out of each dollar, there's what two? Yeah, it's, it's basically they're getting two point something cents per dollar. So like p- part of this example is like uh, one of the banks, like Bank of America, I believe, was one of the ones named uh, in this audit, w- was getting paid like several hundred dollars a month like to maintain each individual like EBT account. And there was, uh, I'm, I'm going to say some of this kind of wrong, but you know, maybe you, one of you guys know a couple of years ago, there was, this, or several years ago, maybe a decade ago, there was this governor in uh, Ohio and he did a thing with like bank of America. Um, he wasn't going to do business with bank of America anymore. Okay. And it had something to do with some window manufacturing company that like went bankrupt and Bank of America is like, oh, or, or whatever. They, they, they just, the, the doors were all locked. There was something happened bad with this window. Man. And there's like several hundred of these guys that come to work every day and they're owed two weeks pay. They're owed a couple weeks vacation. They're owed sick time. Like, you know, all this stuff kind of stacks up on your sure. bank account or whatever. And Bank of America is like, yeah, we're not releasing any of that. So the governor, I, I kind of like this guy as a politician because he was like, you know, not, he wasn't, he was definitely going to, you know, not let the bank. T- abuse people he thought i i think he i don't know what happened to the guy they ended up destroying him one way or another but he was also saying something he goes even to maintain the ebt cards it cost uh the ohio state government you know x amount of hundreds of dollars per month it was like 300 something dollars a month per ebt card was like the rate that the government was giving the actual bank just to maintain this account wow that wasn't money going into the account it was just direct to the bank that was like their fee for doing this is what it worked out to be and there's other numbers where, like, you know, um, I, I mean, you, you somebody's t- always on the take. It seems right. Like, like if you, yeah. a, a, a fraction of the money that went to uh, fund this war in Ukraine, you know, could have re- rebuilt the entire island over there in Hawaii that got burnt <laughs> up. Like for example, you know, it's, it's, 
it's insane when you actually start thinking about the numbers and you know and you've studied history but a lot of people just don't study history it's true so ian uh what do you got here so there's this report uh that has come out 24 pages long by a group and i hesitant to actually call it a group i think it's one woman who is uh, i mean she probably has some friends what's the name of the group uh the name is not granite state progress which is one of the the hate groups here in new hampshire uh-huh. but it is i'm their, familiar with that name yeah yep this is similar to granite state progress but this is a group called granite state matters and uh, the author here is Jeannie deach d-i-e-t-s-c-h is that the woman in question she is the author of, okay. of this. Uh, she is a former New Hampshire senator. This is from her little bio at the end. And a mother of two. Her professional career was as an entrepreneur. Her company's What do include- senators get paid in New $100 Hampshire? $100 a year. They also get $100 yeah. a year. Her right. companies included an intelligent robotics manufacturer and a market research firm. She was also a columnist for IEEE Robotics and Automation Magazine and earned a master's in public administration at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Jeannie founded Granite state matters in october of 2021 to help busy people keep up with happenings in new hampshire that affect their lives and livelihoods specifically free state project happenings free state project and also she is trying to in this 24 pages which i have done nothing more than skimmed uh it is not worth my time to actually read the whole thing but uh she does appear to be trying to uh, to line up the Free State Project, which is a libertarian migration here yep. to New Hampshire, with hate groups and racists. It. It's always the Nazis. If you yeah. if you don't have anything else, level the accusation of Nazis. Right. Because who knows what the Nazis thought? Well, we know they hated people. Well, we know now that Nazi means nothing, just like racism means nothing. I mean, if you're a white guy and you married a white woman and you had white babies, you're probably a racist. Well, I or, mean, best I can tell, if you're, if you're a white guy and you do nothing else, you're still a racist. <laughs> yeah, that too. Or Adolf Hitler kills a whole bunch of people based on their race, and he's a racist too. And somehow, you know, the word means, you know, applies to both. So, I, so basically, like, it just has no meaning anymore. Yeah, it, racist largely means somebody with whom I disagree. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the thing just goes on. It's got your usual kind of democratic conspiracy theories about the Koch Foundation and, you know, these different connections between people in the Free State Project and the right wing. I haven't heard the Koch Foundation in in a little while. Really? Yeah, I haven't heard of them. I haven't heard them do anything, Uh, being accused of anything anyway. oh, Oh, you mean recently? Yeah. Well, there's, uh, let's see, multiple mentions of Koch... Uh, Ian, I just realized that the call that's uh, sitting on here screens itself. It's a man named Skeeter from California. Some do. Some do screen themselves. Okay, so. Not all of them, however. What do you, how do you want to handle that? If I'm you sorry. want to go to a call, then uh, you would want to press the red uh, red button on that caller. Okay, it says drop. Oh, sorry, the red button. Uh, there's a light that will become red. Uh, that Underneath you'll want to the press. yellow one? Yeah. Go ahead and just, just press push that. push the button. And okay. And then he should be on as long as your phones aren't muted on the on the board there, Mark. Uh, I'm terribly sorry. We're uh, learning how to do radio here today. It looks like it is muted. So Skeeter? You'll need to unmute that. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, hey, it's your favorite text-paying boy, Bear Arm Skeeter. Rawr. <laughs> Logically mauling libertarians since 2015. Excellent. What's hey, on Mark. your mind? Logically maul us, uh, Skeeter. Hey. <laughs> hey, Mark, I'm glad you're here to uh, bring back some uh, intellectual honesty back to the <laughs> free rider talk live. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, so I, I thought I'd dispel another echo chamber illusion from uh, last Thursday's show. Uh, last Thursday's show guest, Bear Arms, when he uh, 
deceptively made the claim that uh, federal income tax was a tax on federal income. <laughs> federal income is, tax is a tax on federal income. I yeah. think Jay yeah, actually he, agreed with that as totally well. Agree with it that. Sounds, uh, sounds plausible to me. Oh, it does. It doesn't sound, uh, it sounded, I should have been surprised and shocked and uh, question, uh, questioned everywhere he said that came out of his mouth. But uh, so I have the proof here. I mean, I, I can refute every single definition he manipulated. So to make his case, he purposely uh, misinterpreted the definition of uh, four terms, wages, services, employee, and trade or business, to try to limit the scope to uh, federal, the federal government. So uh, on first wages, right, he cites Title 26, Section 31, 3401A, if you want to uh, fact-check me. Uh, def, uh, it defines wages as, uh, quote-unquote, the term wages means all remuneration. And this is the part he left out. Other than fees paid to a public official, he left that out, for services performed by an employee or his employer, including the cash value of all remuneration, including benefits paid by any medium other than cash, and blah, blah, blah. But you, uh, I don't have to go any further with that. If you want to fact check that, that has to do with employees, which, as I recall, uh, the definition had to do with them being federal, yeah, right? There's, all, there's yeah. only federal and employees. I'm, no, no such thing as and just I'm, an employee. I'm going to get, and I'm going to get to the employee definition. But did you listen to the omission that I was? Uh, well, the omission to had to do with federal employee or federal administrator or something. Public official. Public official. So let me read it again. Sounds like a politician. The term wages. The term wages means all remunerations other than fees paid to a public official, uh-huh. and that part he left out. Okay. Because that excludes federal employees, not limit uh, the definition of wages to them. So you're saying a public is official is a federal employee? Because I can tell you a state employee in New well, Hampshire is not a government official, uh, according to some stuff that I have uncovered. Well, I, I guess my uh, question well, would be is, is that, that but you, uh, are you saying that because uh, all the federal employees I know have to pay tax. Yeah, but uh, the, the the question is, is the federal public? And uh, I think everyone would agree that federal is a public employee, a public official. Uh, so anyways... Um, so what you're so, saying I mean, you is, to, let me see if I'm following yeah. you. Your claim is the opposite of what Bear Arms was saying. You're saying that federal people uh, do not have to pay income tax. No, no, just just this definition is referring to it. It's actually, I don't think it explicitly excludes federal employees from paying income taxes. It just excludes it. It's just somehow highlighting the fact that everyone else other than federal employees, it's just a, a, uh, with respect to wages. Sorry. You're saying, I'm a, I'm so what you're saying code. is your claim is that the IRS code says that federal public officials do not earn wages. Uh, it depends. It, I, it depends. I didn't, I didn't really look into that, but I just thought I'd highlight the fact that he omitted that portion on purpose. And so, I mean, that, that would take uh, a little okay. more. But research. I think but his I claim think was, they, they because, if I recall correctly, I think his claim was that uh, the federal income tax only applies to federal income, meaning people that work for the federal yeah. government. And yes. the claim was that the word employee specifically refers to yes. those people. Did I misunderstand that, Jay? Is that your recollection yep. as well? And okay. I, I have, I, I'm going to get to the employee part because he, he, uh, 
he deceptively fooled you into that definition too. But he also used wages. So there are four terms he used that he manipulated, and I'm only addressing one right now, which is wages. Okay, well, and I'm, I'm going to get you already employees. addressed that one. Yep. So what yeah, else do you so, move along? Okay. Okay. So sir, on services, which he tried to limit to federal employees too. Uh, he made the case that the definition of services could be derived using instances where the Constitution applies the term, but doesn't define it explicitly. Uh, this is a this is a me- this method is a case of inductive fallacy. You cannot reliably extract legal definition from instances of a term's use because it may not fully convey the criteria that make up the definition. The Constitution explicitly is uh, defining the role and limits of the federal government, so it's only natural that the services it will talk about are limited to the federal services. So so you understand inductive fallacy, right? You can't define things uh, grabbing instances of its use, of a term's use. Well, you can. It's just that uh, it's not always going to work as a definition. Yes, it's inductive fallacy. You cannot be sure it's complete. Right. So I can I can say four is even eight is even 12 is even 16 is even and so on and so forth. And you might misconstrue even as a uh, positive multiple of four. Right. Or I can say, uh, uh, well, that uh, is. uh, But you could say, for instance, I'll give the example that uh, you're trying to give here. You could say 12 is even uh, 14 is even 16 is even 18 is even. So therefore, every number that begins with one is even. Hmm. And that 13 must be even. That's how that works. Or something, it, yeah. There's not enough info to extract, a, 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 especially a legal definition from instances of the terms used. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Yeah, so, so that's what he did. So he. Well, if you say that he, the Constitution uh, is supposed to limit the federal government, we know that's obviously not true because it doesn't work. the yeah. income tax is clearly I, unconstitutional. Well, I mean, the well, the income tax is know. supposedly I, the Sixteenth Amendment is an, an expansion of the. Uh, um, expansion of the Constitution, thus allowing uh, the income tax. Now, whether or not it was actually ratified uh, properly, that's a issue of great debate, and it's hard to say, but uh, thank you for the call, Skeeter. The number, again, 603-283-6160, here on Free Talk Live. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. This is the live edition of Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you, Jay, and Ian. 
The number is 603-283-6160. It's 603-283-6160. And we are reading a piece by an organization known as Granite State Matters. Matters. And it is... Uh, you know, basically this uh, adversarial piece against the Free State Project. Free Talk Live has long been a supporter of the Free State Project. And yeah, let's go for it. I, I, I believe that I am completely capable of agreeing with the lies and different disagreeing with, um, you know, excuse me, disagreeing with the lies and agreeing with uh, 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 whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm lost in my head here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being fair on all this. So what's this organization saying, Ian? Well, basically, they are saying the Free State Project is a danger to democracy, and they give um, examples of some of the things that free staters have said. They give examples of other things from you know, people who aren't free staters, and then they suggest that we're somehow involved with them, like racist types, which the Free State Project has <laughs> I been have quoted a free stater. And I've quoted Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Therefore, <laughs> the uh, Free State Project has been explicitly against racism for a very long time. Yep, as 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 much as they can be. Sure. But uh, nonetheless, they talk in the beginning here about New Hampshire as uh, the target for these people who are trying to destroy democracy. Hold and- on a second, democracy. All right. So, anytime I hear a politician refer to this nation or the United States of America, which is a federation of nations, as a democracy, either that particular end of that, that politician is either ignorant or he's just a liar. Mm-hmm. Because right. you can't find the word democracy in any of the founding documents of, of any of the 50 states or the United States. So this would be constitutions, bill of rights, the word democracy is, is not in there. Uh, in fact, what we have is a constitutional republic that that uses a democratic form of voting, and so uh, to, what it, to make it very clear, democracy is mob rule. Uh, what I, the the analogy I like to use is democra- uh, a democracy is two foxes and a chicken deciding what's for dinner. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the um, but and and a, our constitutional republic, as described by the Constitution of the United States of America, uh, would be. Two foxes and a chicken deciding what for dinner, except for the chicken is heavily is just as well armed as the fox. So they all have Glocks, for example, or they all have AR-15s or they all have nuclear arms, something. They're all equally armed because that's essentially, you know, what the, the republic is, is that the majority can't rule. And also the idea of our constitutional republic is that 99 percent of my neighbors can't vote against my rights. So now. Um, just look at property taxes. You know that that's a violation of this whole republic. You know thing if because what happens every year is everyone's property taxes is getting jacked a certain percent because a whole bunch of people vote at the town meetings to raise the property tax. So sure. that is your neighbors, um, essentially voting against your rights. That's why I say it is uh, an act of aggression to send your kids to public school, and the parasite class. Uh, all of them show up to the uh, town elections to vote to increase sure the size of the parasite. So like the, like the Henniker town election, you know, uh, that is like, you know, 84 people show up and like literally like seven of them are voting no, yeah. uh, you know, out of the 84. And you I, start- I am familiar with this myself, uh, having gone to plenty of uh, town meetings in Westmoreland, New Hampshire, um, West Milan, as they pronounce it here. And 
you know, it's it's very demoralizing when you're trying to keep the size of government under control. And usually these small towns, you know, they're not it's like, you know, do we want to buy another town truck? Do we want to do this thing or that thing? And a lot of cases you're like, well, if you're going to have a town truck, it ought to run. Um, And, you know, I get it. But also the opportunity for the the bureaucrats, the people who work for the government, always there pushing for more spending, more spending, more spending. Constantly they know, increasing the budget. They know that uh, that's where their paychecks come from. Um, I guess I'll just start with the the beginning here of this report, okay. and we'll skip a bunch of the middle of it because you'll get a feel for what They're it's like. They're making their case, yeah. Um, so, wake-up calls. The following are just some of the true stories of anti-democracy groups' actions in New Hampshire. They are not unconnected occurrences. They are part of an explosion of nationwide attacks on our democracy, uniquely targeting New Hampshire. Right. Well, hold on. Nationwide, uniquely targeting New Hampshire. Strange, but that's the level of intellect we're dealing with here. I I mean, there's not a lot. Libertarians uh, aren't working very well outside of the state of New Hampshire, to my mind. But go ahead. They're doing very poorly. But this is about more than just libertarians. Again, she's going to loop in uh, right wing. Everything that's happening in America is happening in New Hampshire by 10. Yeah. So uh, even though she was involved, apparently, in a market research firm, she isn't the most gifted of writers. But anyway, uh, so she gives uh, several bullet points here. Bullet point. The first one. You wake up after a snowstorm. You learn that your child's teacher will have to be let go because a small group cut the school budget in half last night. Bullet point. Your phone informs you that the county ski hill you've enjoyed all your life has closed. The entire management team walked out when new board appointees insisted on cutting the profitable site's expenses. Point. You attended morning worship service only to see a member of a militia group at the podium. Point. You are the town's sole police officer. You walk into work only to learn that your job was cut by the select board last night. To keep on picking on Croydon. <laughs> Point. You are an elected school board member. One evening, armed, uniformed men in masks show up at the board meeting. One holds up fingers and a thumb in the sign of white pride. They adopted- better have masks on, otherwise they're spreading a deadly disease. Adopted by white supremacists. Those were federal agents, by the way. <laughs> Good chance of it. And yeah, right. I mean, you know, I don't. I, but okay, so New Hampshire had some bad guys show up. And finally, oh. you were elected by your community to represent them in the state legislature. You are Latino. Members of a neo-Nazi white supremacist group threaten you. So those are the supposedly true stories so of woven that, together to give you a picture of the Free State that Project. That they claim. Yeah. Now they haven't mentioned the Free State Project um, at this point, but that the they claim are not unconnected. Even though I'm going to argue that the people that I know within the Free State Project are absolutely not involved in whatever white supremacist groups that they're trying to uh, bring up here. And as Jay pointed out, they are likely federal agents oh, that are doing that sort of thing. I literally had him come to my place and this guy was like, I don't know, he was, I, I'm not going to, I forget what the name of the group is. There's a couple of these groups and he was a couple of years ago and he's like trying to like recruit for some white supremacist group at like a pig roast or something I had. Well, that sounds and, like the feds right there, doesn't it? And, 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 I, 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 and I basically said, get out of here. You're a mm-hmm. federal agent. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a federal agent. And I said, well, you're certainly acting like one. And I, I'd rather kick you out of here, assuming you are, than you know maybe lose a maybe lose someone who could be a possible friend. But I'm not interested in being a friend with any white supremacists. I don't believe in that stuff. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm not into that. I, and 
But I I let the local police chief know, chief of police know about it. I'm like, yeah, there's a guy here acting like, you know, he's some kind of informant. And, you know, the chief of police is like, well, you know, what makes you think that? I'm like, well, why don't, what do you know about the uh, Michigan Governor Whitmore thing where, you know, three quarters of the people involved in this, you know, whatever they were going to do have turned out to be, you know, somehow federal agents. I said, this is what these guys do. They, 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 they're trying to drum themselves up some work, make themselves, mm-hmm. you know, Let's you know, in V for Vendetta. You know the the head bad guy says, "Let the people remind the people why they need us." You know they yep. you know they just want to create chaos. They want somebody to take their idea. They're going to plant the idea of violence against some group or whatever yep. against the government or other uh, you know some other race etc. And they want uh, somebody to go out and try to attempt that violence, and then they're going to arrest that person and claim that they prevented something that. Wouldn't have happened unless they had sat there and suggested it in the first place. Yeah, I, I make it a point to really get all get all get on, you know, your ass if you're gonna, you know, start, you know, suggesting violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I call you a fat. Uh, you know, you're a provocateur. You're mentally ill. You're deranged. You don't. You shouldn't be around here. You know, and I, I'm like, I'm like, dude. Uh, I had said to one guy, this wasn't at my place. This was actually at a place in Rhode Island. But he was like, I got shotguns in my truck. This was years ago. He's like, I got guns in my truck. We should go to the local police department. I go, you're a fed. Oh, I go, yeah. you're dressed just like the Southern Poverty Law Center describes a guy. You know, <laughs> he was like, yeah, cowboy boots on, you know, mm-hmm. the the jeans. I mean, I read this pamphlet like a week before. And this was like some John Ainsworth, you know, freedom, you know, liberty, sovereign, whatever meeting I was at. And uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And. And he's like, he gets in my face and tells me to hit him. I'm like, why? So I can go to jail for hitting a federal agent? You know, like, I'm going to do that, you know? And, and, you know, and I just sat there with my hands behind my back and I'm just like, dude, get out of here. You're not one of us, you know, leave. It's not that I don't believe that racists exist. It's just that I've never seen what I believe to be a true Nazi racist uh, Klansman kind of guy showing up at any of these libertarian events in New Hampshire. Never once. There was this one guy, and I suspect it's the same guy that uh, Jay is referring to that ended up at his house and he kicked him out, uh, who came to an event at the state house that, I don't know if it was a quote-unquote libertarian event, but there were a bunch of us there. Maybe it was a you know a conservative event, but there were a lot of libertarians came to this. It was during the COVID uh, situation. Uh-huh. And he got up on uh, the, the podium or whatever, and he started just going off. And essentially, no one there agreed with this guy. And yeah. he was essentially run out of this particular group as well. Anyway, um, let me go on here with this report. So she says this report details... Oh, sorry, I skipped a point here. So we finished the bullet points of the scary stories. And now she says mainstream reporters often cover anti-democracy actions in two vastly different ways. Fringe versus, quote, normal. Militia groups and attendees at the annual Libertarian Pork Fest are fringe. Average libertarians and political donors like the Koch brothers, by the way, the word Koch appears 40 times in this document, (laughs) uh, and also in parts of the Republican Party, are normal. This report details the tight relationship between the so-called hardcore fringes and the wealthy, powerful, quote, average libertarians paying to drive their agenda. Readers will see the relationships are indisputable, hiding in plain sight, particularly in New Hampshire, and they are interacting with and inciting militia and other violent anti-democracy groups. Now, her point that libertarians are anti-democratic is fair, right? I mean, like, I am a libertarian, and I am Mm anti-democratic. I don't feel like... America is served 
by pandering to the lowest common denominator. I don't feel like America's served by getting 51% of people who uh, to, to agree with something. I, I, I'm sorry, that's just not good enough for me. I think that if something changes your life, it ought to be closer to 80% of mm. the, the general public ought to think a thing, not 51% telling 49% how they're going to live. And if democratic policies are so great, there's no shortage of states that are rife with them. Sure. Go there. For God's sake. Yeah, go to go. New York City. Go to Chicago. Go to Baltimore. Austin. And a lot of them are, to be fair. Some yeah. of them are migrating to places like that. We are seeing some of the worst Democrats leaving New Hampshire. In fact, Often they're going to Florida, which is uh, largely right. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it seems like it's tilted right recently, but it's been a bit of a battleground state to some extent. I think uh, if you want the good weather uh, that mm-hmm. so many want, that you have to go to kind of like New, New Mexico. There's always if, California. If you look at these Democrat men, for example, that are in the New Hampshire state legislature, and uh, so I've asked some legislate some uh, friends that are women specifically that are state legislatures, and I said, "So, can you pick a soy boy out?" And, uh, and you know, so so these girls are a little, you know, farmy. You uh-huh. know, they live in the woods. You know, they're they're rugged. You know, they're they're homesteader types. It's sexy. And yes. And anyways, <laughs> it, is. it really is. The, 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 you know, they're real women. You know, they're, they're, they're like, uh, like, like, like like these these women would, you know, the couple I'm thinking of would probably be able to split more firewood than any Democrat male. Mm-hmm. And because one of the things, you know, you know I, I often talk about with people is that Democrats are, you know, are, are, are I believe they're mentally ill. And I believe the, a lot of the mental illness, especially with the, you know, with people in general, is a fact of all the chemicals. All the government subsidized food is literally poison. I mean, just, you know, how do you get a government subsidy on your crops? You spray it with Roundup. That's how you, you use Monsanto growing practices. That's how you get crop insurance in America. And there's no insurance on on spinach. You know, there's no insurance. It's always all these. Te- it, it does uh, seem like the, uh, you know, the the most wholesome food doesn't receive the uh, subsidies and, and that right. sort of thing. So tell me, you got to define this term soy boy for me. So these soy boys are like these guys that are like super frail. They're weak. You know, the way they walk, they're the kind of guys that a mugger would pick out if you saw them walking down the street. <laughs> you know, they lack confidence. They generally have zero wisdom, which most of the Democrats have zero wisdom. They lack wisdom very much. And why would you say that, Jay? Well, how do you get wisdom? You know, you Experience. get wisdom from working, Experience. from doing something. And when you've, you know, gotten to college and then you've had a, your co- complete career has been, you know, government, for example, you mm-hmm. have zero wisdom because you've never really done any real work. You've never really earned anything. Mm. You know, going to college. Oh, I did a lot of work. I went to college. Yeah, but you didn't get no wisdom. You know, that's why like farmers have lots of wisdom. Yeah. You know, farmers, you know, they could talk to you about all kinds of things because these guys, you know, they're uh, a result of generations of wisdom passed down first off. And you and if you don't exercise the wisdom, you lose it. You know, if you don't exercise it, you don't pass it on to your posterity. So uh, were these uh, these gals able to pick out a soy boy? from? Uh, and, and, and how does one prove that a soy boy is a soy boy? So basically they're like, oh, yeah, every Democratic man is you know democrat man basically is a straight up soy boy just just the way they get up and present themselves on bills the things that they talk about especially when they're like anti-gun pro mask pro vaccine uh, pro mask and mandates pro vaccine stuff you know and and a lot of them are just pandering to you know essentially what the, the the radical leftist narrative you know that we're seeing here 
And they want to have a big mommy government telling them what to do. And 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 the thing is, is they really lack confidence. Like one of my main reasons I come up with the man camp curriculum is I want to restore confidence in mankind. And the thing is, is a soy boy is someone who lacks confidence. Like one, of, I have some good friends that I, I am proud to say I've I have desoyed them. I've converted them <laughs> from soy boys, and 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 they've uh, and you know, literally one of these guys just showed up one day and he's like, oh, I I, I want to man up a little bit. I'm like, well, here's some hamburger. Start eating beef, and uh, and pick up that angle grinder. Start grinding that iron. And okay, now you can weld. And you know, and he, and he worked with me for a while, and and we toughened him up. And he and he even claims I've desoyed him. Uh, but anyways, so these soy boys are like these demasculated, sort of chemically castrated men who, uh, uh, you chemically know, castrated by the food. The sure, whatever the food, you know, the vaccines. I don't know what whatever is you know working on you. I mean, you can't you can only consume so much soy, and then then soy is like a has these like estrogen exciter type you know properties. So it so I've heard it, these claims. So it basically reduces stuff reduces your testosterone and stuff. But <clears throat> these. Democrat men in the New Hampshire legislature, like, you know, they're just not the type you're going to see wielding a chainsaw or splitting wood or, you know, and, 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 and they're kind of weak and, and, and they're like career educators. They're, you know, they're career government employees. And, and you see this all the time because most of the people who are working in government are, are because they've been trying to get this cushy job because they went to school for underwater basket weaving and, you know, art studies and, you know, gender examination. And they, you know, and the only place they can get a job is, you know, in DCYF, for example. Sure. Well, they have or to go. Whatever. They have to go someplace where they're not making a profit. Um, you know, they've. You know, profit is sort of antithetical in so many ways to many of the philosophies of the kind of people that pursue government jobs, mm-hmm. and so they end up in a place where they're just. Uh, you know, like doing being a functionary, doing work. They're they're doing the scientific definition of work, but they're not producing something that is marketable and it's not in demand. Yeah, and so they you know end up in middle management in the government, and you know it goes from there. But they get to tell themselves a story about how they're public servants and they're engaging in service to help the community and that they're necessary and we need them. And ultimately, that's what this uh, Jeannie Deach here is going to argue is that we need democracy. It is the best system. And she gets into that here shortly. But this liberty is dangerous. We can't have liberty. That's (laughs) scary. Winston Churchill, I think, uh, was quoted as saying uh, democracy is... uh, Oh, that's coming up here. Yeah, okay. Another thing about the soy boys is and there's uh there's these studies i've heard so i i've been listening sort of to some of this like manosphere kind of stuff uh for lack of a better but like so i got like some friends that are like i'm never getting married i'm not interested in women i'm like <laughs> i'm like come on man you know like young good looking they're burned like, they're burned out well they, they just so my well so one of my buddies like start listening to this a little bit you know and, and, and the thing is he's like why do i want to give up you know lose everything you know if uh you know i get married and divorced and there's this, so many that, horror other stories i mean you can't blame them for, right. for that right so so anyways the um uh, uh, they were talking to, so one of these shows i was listening to uh pearly things i don't know if you ever mm-hmm. heard of her just no. pearly things she's got a pretty big following but she was ta- uh, had a thing out where these girls were like i really like conservative men but i i just get so upset when they're like 
when they have a Trump when they're conservative bump, Trump bumper <laughs> sticker on their truck mm-hmm. and you know and 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 they have a gun and but conservative men are hot and sexy these girls are talking about but these like liberal women you know they're just and, and the men are like man you're you're just such a pain you're so difficult you're so high maintenance whatever you know they're not interested in and, and and the girls are like but when i date when i date um you know liberal men you know they uh they hide behind me when someone big and scary comes walking around. You know, a conservative man gets between me and a big and scary man walking the other way. The conservative man makes sure that he's, you know, next to the road and he opens the door for me. And some girls are like, I don't like it when I open the door. I just want his protection, you know. <laughs> and the the funny thing is, is if they were successful in changing the conservative man to uh, whatever their philosophy was, like whatever anymore. it is, then suddenly he's not interesting anymore. Right. And, and a lot of these, like, uh, liberal Democrat guys, another soy boy thing is like, they can't fix the brakes on their car. You know, they they couldn't like, you know, but we, we, we've been the so The average pampered. person's going to have a hell of a time fixing the brakes in their car mm-hmm. and they, uh, on a brand new vehicle. But yep. And there's a lot of banging involved. You're going to spend all day doing the brakes in your car if you don't just take it to a brake place. But if you lack confidence, you're not even going to try, for That's example. True. And you're not even going to be interested. And, and like even one of these preparedness things on, in this series of lectures I'm working on is like the thing that I see that right now in America that really stifles most poor families and like most people in general especially the single mom who's got a you know a handful of kids is when her minivan breaks down and she's making an 850 dollar a month payment on and the thing's already 10 years old because she bought it from one of these you buy here pay here scam lots where 18 uh-huh. percent interest and they sell you a car mm-hmm. for triple its value because they'll take you know 200 bucks every friday from you yeah no there's um, no feminist buying a car right so <laughs> so like when when their car breaks uh and, and a lot of people like their most valuable assets their car so your most likely like real problem you're going to have and be in serious situation as an american especially if you're not rich is your car breaks down and now you and you don't know how to fix it or you have no idea how to fix it. And right now is the easiest time in history, for example, to fix your car because you can replace every single there's a tutorial for every make and model of car on YouTube. Unless you have a Tesla. There's pretty good tutorials in Tesla. Really? There is. Yep. Yeah, I heard that yes. you can't take them anywhere outside of an official dealership because they got all the parts and like they you got, got them fi- on lockdown. You, oh, there's a guy in Boston. He's got a YouTube channel. He's like taking these uh, Teslas apart and he's scrapping them and he's like selling. Hmm. You know, some maybe of it's the just parts. that it violates the warranty or something. Yeah, they got probably. some kind of trick. The, the, the dealer network is not good for like mm-hmm. repair on a Tesla, from what I understand. Uh, I know my buddy Luke took him six weeks to get a window in his Jeez. Luke Radowski's Tesla when it broke, uh, just because. It was like all the window guards were like, I don't know. <laughs> Couldn't really find a guy that really, really wanted to do it. And then getting apart was hard. But you'll see like a, these, a lot of these Democrat liberal types just plain old lack confidence. They lack confidence in themselves. They lack confidence in mankind. And this is uh, people who lack confidence uh, ask for government. And well, they, can, they want to wield power, though, because well, that's like a different form of... So you have, those are the sociopaths and the psychopaths mm-hmm. who want to wield power. So Most the pe- of the people in these positions, In the positions qualify. of government, yeah. but a lot of the people who aren't in position of government and are just like, you know, these, you know, liberal types, mm-hmm. they lack confidence. And then you have the people in government who they want the platform for the power. Right. So, but the, like, I, I, I argue like... That goes hand in hand. Two to three percent mm-hmm. of the population is just like this authoritarian, psychopath, you know, sociopath type maybe. But the the greater per, of the population is asking for government are just people who lack confidence. 
this is why like doing the blacksmithing and like with young kids and also like I teach my kids, you know, we, we feed chickens, pigs and cows every single morning. We put bedding down almost every day, like about 75 percent of the farm work I do. I literally do it with my kids unless it was like yesterday. It's downpouring rain. I just went and did it by myself sure. and they're screaming. They want to come outside and it's just pouring buckets. I'm like, no, yeah, guys, it's going to take more time to clean. Well, them it's and- it's going to be just it, it, it's going to take me a long time. We, weren't, we didn't do any cleaning. We yeah. just, you know, feeding the animals. No, uh, I meant cleaning the kids after going oh, outside. Well, yeah, it's just hose them off before you go in the house. <laughs> and so anyways, um, and I got a warm water hose for that, so it works <laughs> quite nice. But we, when you build confidence in young people, then they have the ability to be competent. And you just can't get competence uh, unless you have confidence to begin with. So these, these people who want government lack confidence. And <clears throat> kids need to learn to earn their dopamine hits from uh, doing these comp- confidence-building things. I agree. I think that um, you know they got to experiment with the world. That's what that's what being a kid's all about. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. It's six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Here on Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you are free to call in and talk live here on tonight's live edition of Free Talk Live. Mark with you. Jay. It's Ian. The number, 603-283-6160. It's 603-283-6160. And you can bring up whatever you'd like. Right now, we're talking about this... uh, I don't know, uh, article, declaration, uh, white paper, I'm not sure what to call it, essay. Uh, Fear-mongering report. <laughs> this report uh, coming from uh, Granite State Matters. Matters. It's written by one woman, Jeannie Deach. She's the founder of Granite State Matters. And as far as I know, she's the only person involved in Granite State Matters. But maybe she's got some friends. I don't know. But everything's got her name on it, basically. I'm sure she's got friends, yeah. and maybe she's got some people that she works with to proofread some things and stuff like that. But this Perhaps. is a way to, it, it, you know, tried and true way to make yourself look more important is to create sure. yourself a little organization. organization. It's, it's articles like this that really encourage people to move to New Hampshire. Because this, because the, the fact is that it shows that the Free State Project is having an effect. The, free, yes. the, the things are happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I like to send these to my mom. 
because I'm trying to get my, I'd like my mom to move out here. If you listen in mom and I, uh, cause she's a great grandma, but anyways, she's also 3000 miles away. But anyways, I, I, and I send articles to a whole bunch of people and they're like, Oh man, you're tempting me. I got like friends in New York, friends in Massachusetts. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, so you don't think the free state project's doing anything, huh? You don't think this Liberty thing, uh, look at all the effort they're putting into combating it now. Yeah, you know, exactly. look at all this nonsense. When's think- the last time the libertarian party anywhere outside of New Hampshire has had a 24-page report written about its activities. Right. and uh, Or even know, a four-page report, or even a one-page, or even a news article written about it. The the breathless declarations that go within it, too. Like, oh, if we don't do something, mm-hmm. this will happen. Um, what, I mean, let me ask you this, Jay. So let's say you're a concerned Democrat in the state of New Hampshire, and it's kind of tough being a Democrat in the state of New Hampshire. You're, how, how old am I? I think that makes a huge difference. Was I programmed by the internet? <laughs> so am I 30 or am I 60? Because you talk to those Democrats, let's they're talk two to, totally different people. Let's talk about both of them, okay. at, frankly. But we'll start with 60. Um, you're a 60-year-old Democrat. You're, you're sitting here in the state of New Hampshire. You know that, well, it's really hard to win elections in most districts in New Hampshire. The New Hampshire House has been largely, throughout its history, Republican and largely even in his recent history, Republican. There's been some instances where it's Democrat. It didn't get much done, but nonetheless, it was heartening to you. What would what would your best advice as you know, sort of a free stater advising this Democrat? Um, what would your best advice be to how to live a help, healthy and fulfilling life? Like like, what are you gonna do? So, how should a 60 year old live a healthy and fulfilling life? Democrat, yeah, Democrat. Well, I mean, you know, is he just planning on collecting Social Security and, you know, you know, that's what he's going to do? So, you know, some of these guys got like all kinds of annuities. There's a lot of retirees, um, yep. you know, and that uh, they're they're done with their job. They they want to live in the cool mountain air or whatever. Um, I might encourage them to move down south somewhere where it's warm, North Carolina or something, you know, big, heavy, you know, South Carolina. It's Democrat the only thing. solution I have for them, which is, you know, like, think about it. Because these these libertarians, they're moving where they want to move so they can have more political power. And it's not like this hasn't been the effect of pretty much every other state. Every other state has either a Democrat or a Republican majority. There's a few purple states out there. And, you know, why shouldn't you, as a voter, why shouldn't you pick a state that uh, agrees with your value? Pick the state that agrees most with your values and move there. Well, and, and the thing is, is, but even like, you know, to digress a little bit, like you look at any state. New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Colorado, New Hampshire. Uh, the the Democrat stuff, the hardcore Democrat things is all in the population areas. It's yep. all in the cities. You get outside of any city, anywhere. I mean, Chicago's hardcore Democrat. And, you the rest know, you of go, Illinois you go, isn't. Right. You go, it's, uh, the rest of the state is red. It's a bunch of farmers. And most yep. of them are Republican welfare whores, as far as I'm concerned, because they're all grown at, you know, they might as that well Monsanto be. gold that they're getting <laughs> subsidized. And and if you look at like, you know, everything that these, you know, Democrat policies are about subsidizing, they're like they really want to subsidize a single mom. So we've had an explosion of single moms and single moms have been getting subsidized. Yeah. Anything that you subsidize is going to grow. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you subsidize poor people, you will get more poor people. If you want married couples, which, by the way, uh, is the, you know, the single most like the single best predictor of success for your kids. Yep. Um, If you want married couples, you should subsidize married couples. Yeah, uh, because if we look at some of these facts of uh, of kids raised by a single parent, 
something like 90% of the prison population or 95% of the prison population, what do they have in common? They're raised by just their mom. Yeah. If you are raised by by a single parent and 85% of kids is raised by just mom, you are like 80% more likely to go to prison, 80% more likely to have some kind of substance abuse thing. It's like, it, yeah. you it, know, it it, to be homeless, all this. It's it's insane how it's, destructive. It's indisputable Yo, yes. if you start looking at these yes. numbers. Like, there's I guarantee no way- you, though, if you start subsidizing marriage, you will start destroying those marriages. Well, the thing is to Probably. not subsidize. Yeah. I don't know. No one's ever done it. <laughs> to not subsidize anything is and just let you know nature chooses course let the free market do well, its thing that's the, the the sort of the the dirty little part of this is is that you know marriage is a system that works it's a system where well you know you st- if you don't subsidize anything, women are going to sink out men and they're going to get married and they're going to settle down and, you know, whatever variety. Like, there's all kinds of stuff you can look at. Just look at welfare and what it's done to families in urban areas. And yep. it ain't pretty. And if you look at these moms that, you know, are single, have one kid, that's a, that's, man, I couldn't imagine being a single mom having one kid and I get, you know, got to work, got to find childcare. Some of them got four kids. Some of them got three kids. I mean, that is like there is no way they can they can do it without some kind of assistance because it, in a lot the, of cases they wouldn't have so many kids if it wasn't for the little bit of extra money that they get. Taking having t- two kids isn't as much work. Isn't that isn't double the work that one kid is? Right. Three kids isn't triple the work of one kid. It's just like feeding pigs or feeding chickens or anything <laughs> else. You know, you you still got to grab the bucket of grain and walk over to that pig pen every day, and it doesn't matter if it's one pig or five pigs. Right. And uh, but the amount of you know money that one gets from the government, if you're good at doing it, if you've learned the little tricks, the amount of money that there is to getting from the government does double and triple with two and three mm. kids. And there's a and there's a hardcore incentive to keep a man out of their life because I, I don't know about New Hampshire in particular, but definitely the way it works in New York City. And I just listened to a thing about this on the uh, Patrick Bet David show uh, the other day. He was talking about how if uh, if a woman is single. And the dad's not in the picture. She's gonna uh, get you know three thousand dollars a month or something welfare benefits accumulated, whatever. Uh, but if the if she's married, all of a sudden she might get like something like eight hundred dollars a month. So mm-hmm. she's basically be, being paid like twenty two hundred dollars a month, and that might not to be, be a correct number. Yeah. Essentially, to be single is the incentive, right? And uh, why not at that point get a divorce? And then when you don't have the legal restrictions that are in place you're more likely that the couple breaks up and you know it just it just goes on all right so uh, more from this report on this uh, this started with a bunch of fear-mongering about scary things that have allegedly happened here uh, and it says before the- you go on with the report will you tell me about dash sure we can do that too uh, so Free Talk Live is brought to you this hour by Dash. It is digital cash. It's cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases. But Dash, of course, continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction. And its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace for people that actually want to buy and sell. Dash is a great option for that because it's got, from a technical standpoint, irreversible transactions. Its network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. 
and there's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering your Dash transaction complete. So it's great for merchants. It's one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. Dash is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol. If you haven't checked that one out, you might want to look into it. And in multi-crypto wallets, they, a lot of those have Dash. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month. To promote Dash on the air, you can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. So the subject here of this report, 24 pages. We're certainly not going to even try to read most of this. It's rambling. It's ridiculous. But we're going to give you a taste of it with the introduction here and maybe the conclusion. Uh, But uh, they say this report should be a wake-up call to the dismantling of our democracy and where it will lead unless residents stop it. They say New Hampshire's small size and its large volunteer legislature facilitate takeover. Its live free or die motto was also cited by free staters when they chose New Hampshire in 2003 to become their, quote, libertarian utopia. Well, I mean, to to be completely fair to uh, the free staters, New Hampshire was rated at that time and I can't remember the organization that was doing it, but the uh, the, the two guys that uh, basically do the ratings were are now employed by the Cato Institute uh, to do this rating. Um, as I understand, this Cato it's sponsored by the Cato. I think it's. I don't think that rating existed back then. I thought it did. No, At that point, they newer. weren't doing it annually. They were doing it like every few years. Okay, you're talking about the Freedom in the Fifty States study, right? I think that the study, the first study, was like 2004. I don't know about that. That seems newer to me, but that's something we can look into. Either way, um, with the, the, the first rating by the Freedom of the 50 States, New Hampshire came out number one at that time. So it was yeah. the freest state. That would mean that libertarians, who are largely concerned with freedom, this was rated, rated by libertarians. Let's call it the most libertarian state uh, as you know at the time. So why wouldn't they pick that? Yeah, apparently they've had six editions of the Freedom in the 50 States, and I believe, aren't they every other year or something like I that? I don't think you can extrapolate anything from it. Yeah, from so that. there's only been six so okay. far, and it's 2023 right now. So okay. even if it was every other year, that still would be 2012 or Well, I think it's like been, that. I think there were larger stretches, but all right. Uh, let's see. Back to the story here. So a decade later, fascist and theocratic groups would target the state for similar reasons. So next headline here, how liberty in Hold quotes, on. which fascist and theocratic uh, organizations targeted New Hampshire for takeover? I don't know if she gets into that. As I okay. said, I've only skimmed this uh, right. 24 page document. But uh, the next heading here is how, quote, liberty began replacing, quote, democracy. The idea that democracy of democracy is that people work together to create an infrastructure of rules and regulations by which they agree to be governed. No, they Winston, don't. Winston Churchill. Fifty-one <laughs> percent of the people get together to force their rules on forty-nine percent. Winston Churchill is said to have quipped, "Democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others." Which I think that, like, it's a it's a clever quip. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But it doesn't really take into account. The other side of politics. So there's right and there's left, and that's fine. And so if you have democracy in a right or left scenario, you're going to have, um, you know, either the right or left uh, kind of government. But it doesn't talk about authoritarianism versus um, independence. Mm. Authoritarianism, a, a a a government grows. That's what Thomas Jefferson said. Mm-hmm. You know, it grows. 
and its only system, its its only tools are incarceration, fines, uh, electric chairs. You know, like that's all it does. It's yeah. a an organization of force. That's all it's got. That's correct. Uh, so he points out, or she says here, this is the person who's writing this, Jeannie Deitch, she says, common alternatives to democracy are, one, dictatorship, rule by a single authority, two, plutocracy, rule by the wealthy under any system of government they control. I would contend that plutocracy is the only system that has been tried. But plutocracy is simply the system uh, where the wealthy mm-hmm. seize the reins of powers through whatever veneer is in place. And that's very clear what we have today. I mean, if you look at what all the like 90 percent of the media is controlled by six co- corporations. And if you look at the you know how, how much the media just carries water for Biden, for example, Biden says these like gibberish statements that mean nothing. And, you know, the media is like, <laughs> oh, he said this, you know, wonderful thing or whatever. And, you know, and it's just like, man, you guys are like I all these guys in media. I mean, I, I think that there must be a Jeffrey Epstein video of them or any any politician or figure that is supporting Biden, for example. And they're all just supporting, you know, just garbage politics. Well, I mean, how many non wealthy people are elected to federal elected positions? How many uh, non wealthy people leave federal positions? I mean, they're all rich. Everybody who goes, gets into mm-hmm. Congress is going to be rich when they leave. Yeah, and how do you compete if you aren't wealthy against a wealthy person? If you're running for a political office, you usually have to spend money in order to do that. So I think you make a strong argument, Mark, that this is a plutocracy. This is a plutocracy, and everything you ever look at is a plutocracy. I mean, even a dictatorship. A dictator can't run a country by himself. Mm -hmm. He has to have wealthy, powerful people to help him. So she points out two other alternatives she claims that there exist to she get these a from the uh, oh shoot I forgot the guy's name the what's that high that far right organization that's uh, somebody's name um, there's probably a bunch of them I don't know okay sorry. Uh, three theocracy government by John divine, Birch Society uh, she mentions them later <laughs> government by divine guidance or by officials regarded as divinely guided and four anarchy or no government as seen in quote failed states such as Somalia and Yemen. Okay, I have a friend, Luke Radowski, who spent some time in Somalia. And yeah, that's right. There was multiple governments in, in that occupied right. Somalia. They're so competing. Yes. <laughs> so what you would do is you'd be walking down a city, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of these soldiers that have like different fatigues and different color flags on their arm, and then you'd walk, you know, another four or five blocks, and it's like guys from Libya and then another couple blocks and his guys and his warlords mm. from this drug gang that were financed by the US and then were they demanding go, uh fees or No, I just seen them in trucks. Basically they're just, you know, it's just competing governments, you know, militaries versus warlords kind mm-hmm. of thing and you know just it's, and, This is not true anarchy. This is not the kind of place where people have chosen to have no government. So I I I like to tell people like a guy shows up today he goes, "Oh, hey Jay Noon, yeah, you're a conservative Christian guy." I'm like, "Well, I'm not really." Um, I, I'm a non-archist. I told him, he said, oh, I never heard of that before. And, uh, he, and I said, no, well, I'm, I'm an anarchist. He goes, oh, you're an anarchist. I said, well, you know what anarchy means, right? He's like, yeah, that's like that movie, The Purge, where everybody's like just killing people. <laughs> and I said, well, how, how, well would the pur- how good would The Purge go in New Hampshire where everybody has one of these? And, you know, and I, you know I got a Glock on my side almost mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, he just starts laughing. He goes, yeah, there wouldn't be any, and no blood would be spilt. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I says, I go, and means... Anarchy is derived from the a Greek word uh, 
and an arco. An means in or without, and arco means rulers. So anarchy is just without rulers. So a non-archist is someone I don't want there to be uh, any, any rulers, no, no rulers at all. And that's the problem is, you know, the platform for psychopaths. So uh, if you have gangs or drug lords or warlords running, you're, it's not anarchy. They're just a, a form of violent government. Uh, is all they are, and they're probably the wealth. So it's plutocracy, is all it is, because they happen to probably be the wealthiest people, and generally the people who have the most power. Right, they can project the power wealth. by hiring more people with guns. Uh, this is one of the reasons that I philosophically agree with the notion that somebody doesn't have the right to rule over me. I think the implementation gets very dicey. And um, that's why I believe in Spencer Heath's and Spencer McCollum's work, where they talk about private what they call entrecoms uh entrepreneurial communities private communities where uh you know the, the basically the homeowners association whatever form that takes is the one that you know makes sure that peace and and security is provided in the given community and and that sort of thing so so that would be a voluntary association it's a voluntary people. association yeah. i th- i think the only like example of anarchy i can really look at in, in history uh for a short time might be the american west where it was wild, where everybody had their six shooter on their horse. And, you know, um, and, and a term was, yep, uh, the, the West wasn't as wild as, you know, you would like to think. It was actually very polite because if you walked into a saloon and you started being an a-hole, uh, there's a chance a half-drunk guy just might pull out his gun and shoot you. <laughs> and if you start being an a-hole, there's a whole bunch of people in that saloon are going to be like, hey, buddy, either pipe down or get out of here because a lot of people might be but might be concerned some half-drunk guy is going to pull out his gun and pull the trigger in a, in, in, in a crowded saloon. <laughs> yeah. So, like, antagonists and these people who, like, rile people up and stuff, that just didn't happen in, you know, an yeah. anarchist setting. The wild aspect is more Hollywood right. than yeah. anything else. Yeah, well, Hollywood loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a study done, uh, a report uh, by, you know, some academics, and basically they found that... Um, that they, you know, they took Dodge City, Antietam, you know, any variety of these old of tombstone. They took mm-hmm. these old towns. They uh, compared the crime compared rates, right? the crime rates to modern cities. Yeah. Now, these it's probably a fifteen year old study, mind you. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they Still. said that it was a tenth of what New York City was a twenty seventh. And we're talking per Baltimore. capita, yeah, right. per yeah. capita, sure. So uh, she goes on with the fear mongering here. New Hampshire's democracy is under attack. From all four directions. So talking about it's under the attack from dictatorship, plutocracy, theocracy, and anarchy. That's her, her claim here. Uh, but the greatest thrust to is to replace the concept of democracy with the concept of liberty. The Liberty Alliance and other libertarians believe that the majority should not be allowed to make rules that everyone needs to follow. Instead, the right of every individual to do as they please, as long as they do not harm others, is the highest goal. Now, she's pretty That's much pretty right accurate. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Every now and then, these haters, their research actually does right. they just, show you know, the truth. Cut and paste and plop it in there, and, and that's true. Um, like... You know, for me, for instance, I always thought the biggest issue in New Hampshire was schools. You know, they, uh, you know, they got these uh, government schools and not to say mm-hmm. that New Hampshire schools are worse than other public schools in the United States. I'd f- in fact say that they were better. But, you know, that's the uh, the best looking uh, cow pie in the field. Yeah, they're still uh, indoctrinating you, the students into pro-government the, beliefs and they, they cost a ton. Yeah. Fastest horse at the glue race. Um, you know. Mm. Merriam-Webster describes, quote, a utopian society of individuals who enjoy complete freedom without government as anarchy. 
20 years ago, the Free State Project decided they wanted to institute such a libertarian utopia in New Hampshire. That's not what the Free State Project tried to do. But all right. Yeah, I don't think Jason Sorens ever referred to this as a utopian movement, the founder no. of the Free State Project. Jason no, Sorens basically said, hey, I'd like to see libertarian candidates elected in a state. What would happen if we moved, say, half the population of the current uh, libertarian party's uh, roles to one small state? What would happen? Um, and that's kind of the question. It mm-hmm. wasn't. Let's have anarchy. It was let's pursue a government whose maximum role is the protection of life, liberty, and property. These leftist commentators just constantly lie, and they don't even understand they're lying. I mean, there's just you know, it's just another you know element of this cult that they're in. Probably the closest any group has come to achieving a libertarian utopia is at Free Staters' annual Free State Pork Fest in Lancaster each June. About 2,000 Free State affiliates live in tents and RVs for a week. On private land, attendees buy, sell, imbibe, and wear as little or as much as they please. (laughs) But even five days of togetherness makes clear the need for rules. Many parents, even libertarians, prefer their children not to be eye-level with adult genitals. Okay. You know, I mean, now now we've got the same complaints that a nudist festival has. I didn't see any adult genitals at Porkfest this year. Nor I. I didn't go. The number, 603-283-6160. It's 603-283-6160 here on Free Talk Live. talk about that's what we do here on free talk live and we're doing we're we're talking about an article an article what was the term we decided a report mm-hmm. put out by page report granite state matters it's more like commentary mm-hmm. <laughs> about the the dangers of the free state project and how it's destroying the democracy here in new hampshire at least it's a threat to the democracy mm-hmm. and and uh you know a little dash of racist racism a little shake of nazis you know a, a, a pinch of fear whatever you need in order to this uh, lady's a nazi based on a definition of a nazi you know she wants to concentrate power into the majority and when the majority you know is like oh we don't like people because you right. know they have she finds uh, a minority uh points it out yep. uh, d- 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 uh vilifies a minority and then uh you know tries to get the majority to go after them and yep. take away their rights huh. yeah yeah, she only wants to protect certain minorities. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Certainly sure. not the minority of the individual. Right. And that's the thing. When whenever anybody talks about groups, this is what I think to myself: is, this, is that this is there's a there's an agenda because people are people, and when you start getting them grouping them together, I look, I get it. There's certainly people that I have more similarities to than people that I uh, than other people that I don't have similarities to, but. <sighs> Well, anybody who wants to claim that I'm part of this group or that group that I didn't willingly choose to be part of, that person's got an agenda. Let's go to the phones. Um, Ian, help me out with the buttons. How do I do this? You can either press air on the thing you were on Perfect. or you can just press the button you pressed before. Yeah, we'll go to Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Brother Mark, Brother Ian, Brother Jay. Good evening. What's How are you? 
I'm doing just fine. I've been busy, but I don't think you covered it. I'm sure you didn't, but I'm going to talk about something that I want to explain, and I'm a little disappointed in myself I didn't see it coming. The economic oblivion and us becoming a third-world country, and I'm explaining now. And I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. Well, I should have saw it coming. Everybody remembers that Thursday morning when we found out that Saudi Arabia and also, uh, what is it, Saudi Arabia and Egypt entered into BRICS. Now, here's how this goes. It I don't started, think everybody remembers that. <laughs> well, Saudi Arabia and Egypt are in BRICS? Brother Ian. I, I do remember talking about that BRICS has added now six new members, and Saudi Arabia and Egypt were part of that. Oh. And good for those Well, countries. that's going to come into play, too. So here's how this goes. It goes back. And I'm going to explain people's roles in this with uh, the U.K., you know, leaving uh, the E.U., quote, to protect the pound sterling. Now, see, I was talking about the mother of all wars. That's going to come into play of this, too. Now, what happened is you have an unholy alliance. you got China. you got Russia. you got Iran. You know, and now you have Saudi Arabia and you have Egypt. Now, here's how this works. Now, you got China. They use the most oil in the world. Now, we're number two. Now, then you got, uh, you know, you got Russia. Now, they're a smaller uh, oil-producing country, okay? And now what happened here is this has been a plan all along. Now, last, it was in July, that's when they announced that they're going to use a gold-backed currency. Now, I didn't take it seriously. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. It was uh, it was like the Russian embassy in Kenya or something like that that made that announcement, and it was walked back immediately afterwards, and that never got any discussion at the BRICS summit. That's not to say it couldn't happen or that it won't happen. It's just right now they're trying to act like it didn't. Well, here, here's why. So maybe the Russian ambassador to Kenya wants to commit suicide. Well, it's all about timing. You see, here's why. Because here's what I see happening. I'm going to make a prediction based on this. And how is Iran's role in this? Because they, they just hate us. See, what's going to happen is oil prices are going to – see, we lost because of our game. I don't know if, uh, if the people of Iran hate me. I don't think they know who I am. I mean, I'm not going to go out Well, but way. here's the thing. What happened is, you see – I don't hate them. Play, with our game we've been playing in Israel, see, once – when I talked about Why what are you doing, what are you doing in all, Israel? <laughs> are you calling uh, from, control from there? in the Middle East? Well, we just lost that as a result of Saudi Arabia and Egypt uh, joining BRICS because Good. we just now lost control of the Middle East. Good because we don't have it, it, Israel's of no importance anymore. When you say you we, know? you're talking about the U.S. federal government because I'm not correct, involved in any correct. of this. I just want to make it clear. Well, I, I know not, that, brother. Yeah. Ian. So we just lost. I don't that. think anyone in this room is involved in that. So the U.S. just I know, lost that I know, power. But you know what? We are a reflection of our federal government. No, the, way the world sees. No, and you no. know what? It's no, not, that's not true. Like that's not true. Not. I think like, I think most people know there's a difference between the people calling themselves a government and the people that that, that are ruled over by that government. There's a huge difference between the Israeli government and the people of Israel. Israelis. I wonder if this Russian war gets really hot, um, that, you know, this U.S. proxy war they're doing through Ukraine right now. Uh, I wonder if Russian soldiers will come here and liberate us from the uh, federal government. Well, here's the best part, okay? Now that this happened, 
See, we just lost control of our uh, of the Middle East as far as oil. So what's going to happen now is I'm saying by July of 2026, what's going to happen is oil prices are going to go sky high beyond belief. But it's going to get worse than that. That gold-backed currency is going to happen. And what's going to happen is as a result, the dollar is going to go right down the tubes by uh, winter. And it's even going to be worse by winter. than that. Wow. By well, winter, that's by a winter, true prediction. When somebody will give you a buy win, like a, a thing that's going to happen and a buy win. Can you turn him down while you're talking there, Mark? I don't know if you can hear all that hammering in the background, but whenever it is we're talking, there's a bunch of noise coming from can him. Talk back. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Go ahead, Ricky. Well, as what's going to happen is by winter of 2026, the dollar's going to fall, and we're not okay. going to be able to do trade because no, they don't need to trade with us. That gold back currency is going to happen, and what's going to happen? They're not going to need to do trade with us. We're not going. It's going to be a cold winter, and it's going to be worse than that because we will go into economic oblivion uh, going into the following year. Uh, you know, and, and t- I meant 2025. I'm sorry, tw- July of 2025. It's going to hit. So, then what makes you pick these dates? Uh, July 2025 is uh, when I want to be when, out of the U.S. Prices will go sky high, and then what's going to happen is that by tw- winter, winter 2025, the dollar will fall. Okay, and winter 2025. Our money's going to be worthless, so we're not going to be able to pay our workers. Not only mm-hmm. that, we're not going to be able to do trade anymore either, because nobody's going to need to do trade of us within BRICS. BRICS is going to control everything. And why are they doing this to us? Because of what our government has done. Now, there's only one little hitch into this. Now, we have no use for Israel, but this is going to be for timing and play. We still got to explain to the Christians and all these other people why we backed Israel. You know, but here's the thing. You got the Palestinians. Now, they, a couple years back, have been Can you hold on a second there, Ricky? Uh, So I just want to say, Mark, that I think that Ricky's probably correct generally as far as BRICS is going to become more influential. Okay. They're adding more countries. It could. I, I, I would caution everybody here. Remember the whole... Japan's going to take over America. You know, they're just too good a businessman, and, you know, everything's, uh, you know, American well, it turns cars. turns out Japan hasn't been having many babies, so they're not. I understand. Well, demographics boys. matter greatly. Yeah. I'm just saying that <sighs> armchair quarterbacking by populist pundits is rarely correct. Please China and India are not having problems. Oh, well, in China is, but India is not having a problem with uh, with reproducing. No, India is going to be a new power. That's for sure. Uh, India just passed a billion people. They, I, I believe, were expected to surpass China this summer. I think that may have happened already, as far as population is concerned. These are mega um, influential countries, and they are part of BRICS. Okay, China so, and India are part of BRICS. Um, Brazil, Russia, India. China, South Africa, and now you add six more to that, including, as he pointed out, Saudi Arabia, which is a huge oil producer, yeah. uh, and then some other uh, nations. I find it a, difficult to believe that China and India are going to get along very well, considering they're basically at a in a small-scale war. What do you mean? I've told you about this on multiple occasions, and you seem to like to forget about it. There is a, uh, a border dispute that oh, it yeah. involves bloodshed. going on between China and India. China is Mm -hmm. expanding its territory step by step, mile by mile, against all of its neighbors, 
Mm-hmm. India is pushing back. The rest of its neighbors can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and if China continues, which they're likely if they're going to go into this organization with BRICS or whatever, if they see value in it, they're not going to push against India. But, hey, you know, just it. India doesn't like China much. Okay. Well, I don't know what all the inner circle stuff might be or whatever, but they've been in this alliance for some amount of time. It's an economic alliance. Uh, whether they end up going to war with one another is is a whole other question. But regardless, it currently does account for about 40% of the world's population and about 25% of global Population GDP. matters. China's got a real demographics problem. Because of its one-child policy, it has a lot of uh, older and mm-hmm. retiring people. And yeah, they're not at India's not going to want to support that. No doubt. Um, but uh, regardless, there's still a lot of money involved here. There's a lot of uh, GDP behind this group, and that was before they added Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and the United Arab Emirates to their little club. Mm-hmm. So I think Ricky is probably right that BRICS is going to become more influential. Yep. Uh, I think that you're going to see they already have a significant chunk of the world's oil-producing nations now under BRICS, presuming these countries are accepted in. I I don't think, like, the ceremony has happened yet. They've been told, okay, you can come in. Like, they asked to come in, and now they've been told you can come in, but it probably hasn't. it's probably not a done deal yet. But that's happening. And so you are going to see what you've already seen is some of the BRICS nations are now trading within their own uh, currencies. So this gold-backed currency is this sort of pie-in-the-sky idea that may or may not transpire. If it does, it will damage the dollar for sure. But for right now, the the way they're doing damage to the dollar is they're saying, well, now you can trade oil for yen. Now you can trade, or yuan, now you can trade oil for whatever the hell, you know, the real in in, uh, Brazil, etc., these countries are also like Russia and China. There's clear evidence of doing damage to our culture. So with Russia, you've had, you know, the, back in the 60s and the 50s and the 70s, you had the, you know, the Russian commies coming over and infiltrating all the academia and mm-hmm. infiltrating the schools. You know, Bernie Sanders was, you know, he, he even had some influence on this somehow. And then, well, now they're not even hiding. And, and, well, right. Yeah. And that, now they're just right out there, you know, with all their, you know, transgender, whatever garbage and nonsense that they're pushing on these kids. And then you have, uh, for example, TikTok. Um, oh, so so I, I had a, a little interaction with some kids a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the um, one of the moms is like, "Wow, your two year old speaks so well!" And like, like totally blowing her four and her six year old away, my two year old, and hmm. sort of speech. And I says, "Well, if you you know you don't vaccinate them, you <laughs> you uh, don't uh, let them eat you know a bunch of sugar and junk food, you don't let them watch TV." And you don't put them in daycare. This is they're just going to thrive. And she's like, "Oh, yeah, you're right." You know, she's like, I have, "I've done all those things," and and I can pick out these, these kids that have the TikTok attention span. When I was doing man camp at um at Pork Fest this year, there was a young man who basically I had to just get him back on track, like every minute, every minute and a half, you know. And there's actually some video footage of this. I'm not going to release it, but I watched it and I was like, wow, you know, the kid. It's actually the only video I got is like the one that I can't use as a promo <laughs> from Porkfest because the poor kid, he's just like, he just, he just, he had a TikTok attention span. And, and, and I said to his, um, uh, to his parent, I said, hey, uh, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think of my, my, my boy? And I says, well, he's got a TikTok attention span. And he goes, he just looks at me with a blank look in his face, and I said, you let him use internet devices. He goes, 
yeah, we've been trying to get them off it, and it's really hard. Well, what does like, that have to do culture. with bricks? Is it, were you well, going to tie um, that in? The, yes, sorry. Uh, uh, so the the cultural warfare that's been coming against the United States in, from Russia for decades, you know, decades ago, that's you know, influencing academia now, and then the, the whole like using TikTok, for example, to essentially destroy the minds of these young children because so many parents are just letting their kids yeah but kids you know, in, in russia and china are surely addicted to their devices uh, too a, well absolutely uh and in and it you know well it, it's a problem i can tell but, you this is last year china graduated 10 times the uh engineers as the united states did okay i believe that yeah. you can't fight a war without engineers mm-hmm. you, I, I can tell you that what you don't need to fight a war gender studies graduates mm, sure bartenders right. and, and so my my good friend uh, Michael from Russia, who left Russia like in 1992, you know, during a lot of the collapse, you know, he, him and I talk a lot. And he basically explained to me how, you know, China's goal is multi-generational. They're, they're, they're like planning this, this war has been, you know, happening for generations and they're continuing it for generations, multi-generational warfare. And part of it is using things like TikTok, using, influencing things like the media. Like, you know, you have the Chinese have bought, you know, all these you know, hundreds of thousands of American politicians and stuff, you know, like crazy, you know, amounts like, you know, like that. Their, their influence is huge. Well, they didn't buy them all. Some of them they used uh, really sexy uh, spies for. Sure. Um, let me go ahead and go to the phones here. Thank, I'm going to thank Ricky for his uh, insights, and I'm going to go to David calling in uh, here. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. I wanted to uh, call in. I usually listen to the podcast. I've been listening for a long time. And I know Ian was talking about how you don't get a lot of new callers, and I've never called in. So I said, all right, I'm going to call in. Thanks, David. Caller. But uh, I've been waiting. I, I listen every once in a while live to see when you, Mark, and Ian are in uh, the studio at the same time. Because I feel like as a listener, you know, you, you, you feel like you know the hosts, right? Because um, you hear so much about them, even though I've never met you guys. I have met a few hosts. I'm not far from New Hampshire. But mm-hmm. – um, I was wondering, I wanted to ask you to, like all of the great callers over the years, um, you feel like you get to know them. You know, like I remember um, there was the guy who used to call Barack Obama the animal, the Filipino guy. <laughs> Barack and Obama yeah, the animal. <laughs> was his name Ricky? Ralph? Oh, Ralph. Ralph, Ralph. I, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he'd come back from Biden because I, I wish he, you know, hear what he had to think about yeah. that. Uh, the vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and then, uh, like the one that really got me was the guy who was a bigot and hated Jewish people. Scott and the bigot. His parents died, and mm. he found out that he was Jewish. <laughs> and I wonder, like, do you guys wonder as hosts, like? what happened to these people because i as a listener as a listener like i always wonder about some of those great old chronic callers like right. what happened to them and where are they now free talk live has been on the air for 20 years and yeah. we i mean you know the some of these people some of these people that were calling in 15 years ago weren't spring chickens we've yeah, lost away. a lot of callers um mm-hmm. you know maybe they had a stroke. I, I remember Paula with her fax machine. Yep, uh, yeah, right. I'm faxing the ago. president. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> she was faxing the White House or whatever. You know, we ha- uh, you heard she did have a stroke. Apparently, that's what what we heard through one of the call screeners. Yeah, on G- uh, GCN, GCN, our syndicate. Yeah. And uh, Gene, the Christian anarchist, we know he died of oh, yeah. COVID. Yep. Yeah, and um, there was the guy that Walt that lived at the junkyard. 
Yeah, that's a long time ago. Yeah, he, he, he just had, he just gone. sounded like a sergeant. And yeah. um, I, anyway, there there have been many, many throughout me. the years. Was there a question? I can't remember. Was it was like our favorite or something? No, no, I was just wondering okay. if you ever if you ever sit there and wonder like I, I do. I, wish I think about them all the time. Them out would, you know, calling them out with some of them, it'd be awesome if some yeah. of them would call it back. No, every now and then they'll call back. I mean, Ricky, uh, who we just were on the phone, Sarah with, was gone for a couple of years. And yep, then came Ricky back. was right. gone for five years and then came and back. We haven't heard Dade from Poughkeepsie in a while. That's uh-huh. true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that. That guy, he yeah. was very interesting. I liked him. Yeah, he was a great one. <laughs> and yeah, I think the answer to that is uh, sure. Free Talk Live's been. I mean, there was there were many over a decade that Ian and I did this show six nights a week. Um, what is that? Eighteen hours uh, a week. And then we did it as our full time job. So we put in forty hours during the day, and then uh, you know twenty hours in the night um, each week. And sure, absolutely, this is uh, free talk live is a major part of my my life, and I think about the the callers all the time. And I yeah. thank you for having called in and uh, and brought some of it up, David. Yeah, I even wonder about some of the old hosts like Doctor Stephanie. I remember her. Yeah, uh, she I got just married. asked about her the other day. What's that? I was just asking you about her the other day, if she's still in uh, New Hampshire. As I understand it, she is. I mean, I can reach out to her. Because I know her and uh, her husband are no longer together. So does she get re-remarried? She wasn't married to Brian. Oh, really? I thought they got married. I don't believe so. No, she got married. To my knowledge, she has been married one time, Uh, and that marriage continues on. Okay, that's nice. Um, Didn't even know about that. Yeah. And yeah, I always really liked her. Visit with her at Pork Fest and stuff over the years. And, and last I knew, she she was with Brian Sovereign, and they were living up in the Upper Valley. And then somehow they broke up, and that was the end. Well, yeah, um, they're actually two of the hosts I met at um, Liberty Forum at the Silver Circle screening, and in oh, neat. Okay. Yeah, the Silver Circle was a movie, and it was about uh, you know so the underground um, money, and I think it was it's well worth uh, go, you know go go yeah, search for it. It's pretty cool. definitely worth watching it. Yeah, it still applies today. Like yeah. all the, everything still applies. Yeah, it's uh, things have changed, but the underlying premises remain the same. David, thank you, thank you for the call, and please call in again. Loved it. Um, yeah, I guess uh, when I think about other hosts, I saw we saw Gardner Goldsmith at yeah. your sentencing. Um, so cool to have him come out to would that. Would be sentencing. Yeah, nice great to guy. see Gardner Goldsmith. Uh, so are we continuing here, Mark? Yeah, please, thing? get five minutes. All right, so we were uh, sharing with you a report or portions of a report about how liberty is replacing democracy in New Hampshire. And this is a, uh, a fear-mongering report. This is written by people who hate liberty. They want you to understand uh, or believe that liberty is dangerous. It's scary, and democracy is safe and good, and so that's what this is getting into here. And this is, of course, an attack on the Free State Project, which is the major thrust as to why they're saying liberty is being replaced by democracy, or sorry, uh, liberty is replacing democracy. And so they bring up the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and they say that the Porcupine Freedom Festival is proof that people need rules, and they cite the fact that some people were naked at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and there has been some controversy about that within the Liberty community. In fact, there's a fairly large dust-up between different factions. It wouldn't of- matter if it was at a uh, public uh, library and it was done by a drag queen. Yeah, um, or a parade where you got these old guys, you know, grinding, uh, you know, on children and children are giving them dollar bills and stuff. There's footage of that in these, you know, um, rainbow pride, whatever parade things and in, in places all over the country. Well, you know, that's I mean, we're happening. talking about apples and oranges here. I mean, the- oh, no, we're talking about Democrats and duplicity. You may may or may not like 
whatever goes on at pride parades. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're a big outreach as far as that goes. But what I'm saying is, is that this woman wouldn't care if that kind of behavior was going on at a pride parade. Mm, she does she care might. that it's going on at pork fest because that's what she cares about yeah. is destroying pork fest, not anything else. That's what's, going on. Go, what's going on at pride parade is not going on at pork fest. No, <laughs> that's why I was saying it was apples right. and oranges. I mean, at the porcupine freedom festival, there is a nudist community, but they are not doing grinding not sexual. or yeah, there's no sexuality associated with it. Uh, that said, there are certain Democrats. They are Democrats. somewhat evangelical in so much as you can see them wandering around. You know, they're yeah. trying to convince people that this is a good thing. And I figure that humans wear clothes because clothes are good. Um, you're less likely to get a sunburn, less likely to burn a part that, uh, while you're cooking, you know, things like that. Sure. Um, I, I don't know, Mark. I, I think you're generally right about the Democrats, but I have encountered some of them that seem very, very anti-nudity very, very conservative sort of sounding Democrats as far as they are losing it over the idea of somebody being naked at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And I just don't think all That's Democrats because it's the Porcupine Freedom be Festival. If you can talk to them about, like, this is how you test their mm-hmm. stuff, is ask them what they think about, uh, you know, the, uh, the drag queen mm-hmm. story hours. Ask them what they think about the pride parades. They don't care about nudity, yeah. nudity so long as it's coupled with deviance. Hmm. heterosexual nudity there's a problem all right well i don't know about that because most of the people who are well i don't want to say most of them a good chunk of the nudists at the porcupine freedom festival are gay men so i mean great yeah i i think that there is a i think it's likely that you could talk to democrats and find some who are totally fine with uh nudism no matter who does it and some people who are very very up upset about the idea of it. there go. are there are very sort of socially conservative democrats uh from what i've seen so far But anyway, democracy, she says, would say that a majority vote decides the rules. Then all attendees must comply. Liberty first means that the individual's right to choose has priority. If seeing a naked person bothers you, it's your job to stay away from naked people. If your neighbor turns his property... Or don't go to Porkfest. Well, that would be staying away from them. If your neighbor turns his property into a garbage dump or a firing range or a brothel, he is free to do so. If a factory owner stores hazardous waste... Not if bullets come across my property line. Uh, Hold hold that, Ian. Uh, I want to get into it here a bit more. 603-283-6160. It's 603-283-6160 here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Kicking off the third hour here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. Jay. And the number, 603-283-6160. I'd like to invite you to call in and talk about whatever's on your mind here. We're talking about this report from Granite State Matters on why free staters are bad. 603-283-6160, but you can call in and talk about anything that's on your mind. Specifically, it's about why uh, Free Staters or the Free State Project are trying to destroy democracy. It is entitled the New Hampshire Battleground in the Fight to Dismantle Democracy. And she cites the uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival, Porkfest, as an example of how, uh, you know, the Free Staters want things to be which is to say that uh, liberty versus democracy. And she gives examples of what she considers liberty to mean. 
She gives the example that uh, if a, seeing a naked person bothers you, it's your job to stay away from naked people. If your neighbor turns his property into a garbage dump or a firing range or a brothel, he's free to do so. No, he's not. Now, certainly not a pork fest. Um, you know, I mean, uh, a firing range comes with all kinds of inherent problems. Property lines, imaginary lines created by men, uh, do not stop bullets very well. Mm-hmm. So you would be responsible as a property owner for all the noise... That comes from your property because noise strikes an eardrum. Um, it is a, you know, it's a forceful act. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would also be responsible for certainly bullets that fly over property. So, sure. um, yeah, there's a know. lot of responsibility. So, I have a place where we can shoot guns mm-hmm. and I made it extremely safe as I basically brought in a bunch of sand and compost and wood and stumps for a backdrop that was, you know, essentially all ledge. Yep. And because we didn't want to, you didn't know, bounce off the ledge, right? We didn't want the ricochet. And uh, when we are shooting over there, it's uh, we have a bunch of neighbors that, you know, are anti-gun. You know, they work for the local college hmm. and they're pick the guys, heck of a town to live in. Right. They uh, well, whatever. I mean, it was I didn't pick the town. I just no, they did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyways, but like the police, yeah, they used to come to, uh, to my property and say, oh, well, we got to come over here because the neighbors complained. And we're just telling you, but you ever we can't tell you you can't shoot your guns. You can shoot your guns anytime you want. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a noise ordinance after 10 p.m. And I said, so I don't think you should be firing at a firing range after 10 p.m. People are trying to sleep. I definitely do shoot uh, predators. Okay. Uh, in fact, I was out walking around at 4 a.m. the other morning looking for a yeah. yeah I'm a talking predator. about practice, yep. not to real life. Right. <laughs> uh, that's been trying to get my chickens. Hmm. Anyways, uh, but like the. You know, the uh, cops are like, yeah, it's your right. And, you know, we can't, we're just telling you. So now they, then they started just giving me a phone call. Hey, is that you shooting guns over there? And I'm like, no, actually, it wasn't. Actually, so all my neighbors literally have gun ranges, except mm. uh, every, the guys across the street and they're, they're uh, down the road, north, everywhere around me. There's, there's just, Every Sunday afternoon, there's all kinds of gunshots. When I lived here, I had 10 acres, and I'd invite people over to shoot. I didn't shoot myself, uh, but, you know, we had a little gun range there on the property, too. Well, and and so she's right, then. It is your freedom to have a firing range uh, on your property. But I think Jay's point is that responsibility also comes into play. Freedom and responsibility go together. Right, and that's a point she's missing uh, here. But it is, I mean, the general point she's making is is true. If you live in a place and somebody wants to have a firing range in their property and they're doing it safely and responsibly, you know, if you you move to a place where that's accepted and that's happening, then you knew what you were getting into when you were moving out into the woods or whatever. You shouldn't be able to go into a community um, and just sort of make people stop doing what they're doing. Yeah. I tend to agree with that. Now, if you live in a place that's, you know, a, a, a... gated neighborhood and there's a rule against firing ranges in the gated neighborhood then you won't be near a a firing range there because they've got that planned out they've got enough of a curtilage or whatever there's enough space between the gated neighborhood and whatever's the next thing that they're not worried about any firing ranges because they bought enough property to where that's not going to be a problem Uh, so a little bit of planning in this area not central planning, but planning as far as what people actually are looking for, the kind of communities they're looking for, that solves these these concerns. So you mentioned responsibility. So another thing I'm noticing about young young kids, uh, especially a lot of teenagers, and I 
um, and my young younger brother lives in California, and and it's kind of a, like a, a city California thing, big time. But like a lot of young people just aren't interested in driving a car, and so that is, does seem to be a thing of a, this recent generation. Because yeah. yes. when I was growing up, we all wanted to drive a yeah, car. People yeah. just couldn't Me wait too. to get on a road, get in a car. Uh, you know, and, and like I can remember my grandfather, my uncle, my dad. I was like, I'm I'm 13 years old. They're like, you can drive now. And my uncle would let me let me drive his 18 wheeler semi truck for hundreds of <laughs> wow. miles at wow. 13 years That's old. Awesome. And, you know, July in 1993, I just turned 13, and was, he's were in in Virginia. And he's like, you could drive it, and I I've been driving it in a yard. And my dad, you know, when I was this is why one of the things I'm I'm starting to do with our local homeschool co op is I got some kids. I'm we're going to get into garden tractor pulling. Yeah. Uh, so it's like preschool, mecha- mechanic preschool, garden tractor pulling. So uh, we got a handful of garden tractors that I ended up with. They don't mow the lawn, but they run and drive. And, you know, you've had a few at your place that yep. they didn't mow, but they drove. And so they'll learn how to use a clutch. You know, they'll learn how to, you know, do these things. But uh, one thing I've noticed is, um, uh, w- you know, with with some kids and even some, some kids that come to my places, I got some tractors I've taught them how to drive. And like one tractor is really easy; it's an automatic, and and like the kid was like twelve years old, and he was not interested in driving this tractor at all. And I and and he was like sort of interested in it, and I had him do, doing it just a little bit. And then as soon as I explained to him that this thing weighs eighteen thousand pounds, you know, it's a John Deere three ten backhoe, it weighs eighteen thousand pounds. So if you hit something, whatever you hit, you're going to destroy. So we don't we be careful of cars, be careful of buildings. You know, um, and I, I took the thing and I just drove it into a tree and it just knocked a tree right over. And the hmm. kid was, he, he was scared. Yeah. And That's a lot of power. Yep. So, so he's like, I, I don't want to drive this. He starts crying. He gets all upset. So, you know, so I'm like, ah, oh, you're not interested in using a tractor. I had a conversation with his mom and his mom says, yeah, he does not want to have that kind of responsibility. Hmm. And so another guy, I know he, he came here for the free state project. I don't know if he's still around. Um, and he's like. 24 years old and he's like oh i gotta get a car he's like i never <laughs> wanted a car he was like so upset that he had to get a car did he come from the city he came from la okay <laughs> and um and and, and I, so i've had this conversation with a lot of like city folks city young you know like um you know 20 something year olds in the past four or five years yeah, if you live in the country you've got to have a vehicle mm-hmm. to, be and, able to get from <laughs> and and they're like well and, and they're so they've kind of brainwashed that you know cars are bad for the environment mm. you know and but the, but the bottom line is is like what seems to be the common denominator is one and i haven't gone down this rabbit hole yet of you know where this mindset comes from how this develops in young people but the common denominator uh was basically that they did not want to assume the responsibility of wielding that three ton object down the road for example it wow. was you know th- th- that's just was what it got, got down to yeah they did not want the responsibility and I, I believe a lot of it is, you know, like like the development of children is being very much like development of children, you know, young uh, adolescents, young adults, men is being very delayed because, you know, 200 years ago, you know, if you were an 18 year old man and you weren't capable of taking care of your wife and three children, you were looked at poorly among the community. Sure. Today, your average 30 year old isn't even interested in doing that. And or, or or nor are they capable. I shouldn't say, you know, capable. I think a lot more people are more capable than than, than they think they are or capable than they are. But uh, so like there's definitely has been ingrained in, into the younger culture. And I believe this is part of the culture war, uh, a lack of responsibility. And like so. So one of the things is so my daughter, who's three and a half years old, I let her. Uh, basically bang, you know, cold iron on the anvil with a hammer. I let her hammer sure. the anvil with something cold. And I will not let her 
do any hot forging because she's dad. I want a blacksmith. Yeah. She she saw me doing all the blacksmithing at Pork Fest. She seen, sees me do these things. She's dad. I want to weld and I want a blacksmith. She says, Dad, can I weld someday? Yes, you can, honey. When can I weld? When you can demonstrate responsibility. <laughs> and that's what I tell her. Sure. And so it's the same thing with you, 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 you don't let a little kid shoot a gun until they can demonstrate responsibility. In fact, I have a no, I have a rule like <laughs> some friends brought over some like toy guns like a year and a half ago uh, for the kids. And I kind of like, I was like, and I, and I just sort of like, I was really annoyed. Yep. I'm like, no, guns are not toys mm. that will not be ingrained into my children's mind that a gun is a toy. Absolutely not. And, and they really were like offended. Wow. You know, that I was like, had this attitude and I'm, I'm very serious about it. I think it. that makes sense. Well, it, and it, and so what I did is I basically played a clip of Ernie Hancock interviewing Boston Tea Party and I recorded it on my phone and I sent it to these, you know, these people and they were like, you know, cool because they, they just didn't understand where I was coming from. But demonstrating responsibility, and that's exactly what I tell my daughter, uh, you can't do this until you demonstrate responsibility um, that you can do this. So, like, she'll do something like haul off and smack her brother. And I'm like, that right there was demonstrating that you're not responsible enough mm. to do blacksmithing because <laughs> it can be very dangerous and you can you can burn yourself. So, uh, but, like, the there is... So, like, one of the things that I do with my kids is I ingrain responsibility and is, hey, we got to go feed these chickens. Well, you got to put put bedding down for these chickens. You, you know, you got to clean out the water, you know, all, all these things that we do. And a lot of kids growing up in cities aren't given an opportunity of responsibility. Right. There's, you know, there, there aren't the chores that they exist on farms to, for, you know, kids uh, well, to learn from. And actually there is chores in the city that you could have, like the kids could be washing the dishes. Like, m- you know, my three-year-old will totally stack the whole dishwasher. My three, my, my two-year-old is now peeling garlic and helping prepare because nice. the three-year-old peels garlic. My three-year-old, since she's been 16 months old, could crack eggs like almost per- perfectly and, you know, put the shells in a bucket. I got, I got really nice videos of this. You've seen them, Mark, you know, yeah, in the Telegram I chat I get to there. see your videos. And uh, so, so anyways, the, uh, the, the responsibility is like waning in you know in a generation and mm. and that's another thing with these these group of people they don't want the responsibility it's just like you know these corporations you know don't take any responsibility they're incorporated so the responsibility is spread out amongst the people that's the whole purpose of incorporating so it's like and you know when you know these you know people die from like falsely made things the government takes up the slack or or, or the insurance mm-hmm. company does so too know. big to fail right or they're completely irresponsible like the uh the vaccines Right. Yeah, you know that no too. Responsibility yeah, responsibility at all. No resp- and all the government agents that enjoy uh, qualified immunity. You know, for you know, sure. for example. So we have this culture of irresponsibility that is very, very heavy on a on 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 the liberal Democrat side with these people mm-hmm. because they don't want to be responsible. They don't even want it. You know, the kid won't drive the tractor because they want those responsible. There's just so many things like that. Are, I I see happening to our culture. Well, once again, uh, more reason why people who believe in responsibility, people who believe in liberty, need to find their tribe. They need to get together with other people who are of a like mindset, because it's going to be very hard to turn this around. I mean, you're talking about people who do not accept, do not want responsibility at the age of 20 or whatever, right? right? Like they have never driven a car. They don't want to drive a car. They'd rather get in an Uber and have somebody else do it for them. This mentality, if you've got that at the age of a legal adult, 
you know, it's going to be hard to try to reverse that. Whereas if you have a, a group of people together and the supermajority of them are of the belief that responsibility is a good idea, then in order to fit into that social circle, they're going to have to agree with that or they're going to feel so uncomfortable they're going to go away. And part of what's happening here in New Hampshire is New Hampshire has become this beacon of liberty, not totally, right? Like we're still not done yet. The project is just getting started. But it's become this sort of beacon of here's what's happening. There's these libertarians. They're having this impact. It's attracting more libertarians here. It's freaking out people like this Granite State Matters who are proclaiming this from the mountaintops. They're saying, my God, this is happening here. These people, they're coming here. Things are getting really scary here. And they put that information out there. And other people who are like them are saying, well, I'm not coming there. There's right. people with guns on their hips there. There's people walking around with no masks on. This is crazy. Don't go to New Hampshire. Don't send your kids to New Hampshire to go to college. Stay away from these psychos in New Hampshire. And this mentality is getting out there, and it's actually going to keep these people away. So the success of the Free State Project builds upon itself. Not only does it attract the right kinds of good, pro-liberty mindset people here, but their successes are actually deterring the people that we don't want, like the worst of the worst people that we don't want. Yeah, the arch statists are, if you can keep them out, because they're the ones that, well, there's these influencers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't mean like somebody who's got a, who dances on TikTok. I mean, no. somebody who influences other people. And um, these arch statists believe firmly in the state. They should go to the Empire State. They They should should be in places that, um, you know, that their values are reflected by their government. Rather than going there and changing a place, the free estate in the Union, or darn close to it, um, you know, why why do that? Why why spend your life doing that? Great point. Well, one one reason is because an object at rest tends to stay at rest. Yep. People don't want to leave the place they grew up in or the place they've moved to and have lived in for decades. Sure. It's just to them it seems easier to complain than rather than do something different like get up and move to New York or whatever. But that said, we can look back at the history of some of the loudest mouths against the Free State Project here in New Hampshire. And they've almost all left. And we can see many of them have left. Remember Pam Martins? Mm. She was an author for a website called Counterpunch. She used to live in your town in New Hampshire, Mark. Yep. And she wrote some of the most anti-Free State Project articles that were around in the the aughts, right? Like yep. in the 2009, 2008, somewhere in that range. She moved out. And she moved somewhere outside of New Hampshire, from what I understand. Uh, the guy that used to own one of the coffee shops here in downtown, Keen, uh, Bonnie and I were watching some old uh, Ridley reports and free Keen videos from from back in the day. And one of them was the uh, the drinking game that we did here at the, the Keen City Council, where we right. brought in open containers of not a beer. And, and I would be water. willing to bet that uh, half of those... Um, you know, city council people that existed at that time are dead or, um, you know, sort of useless Good chance, mentally. But the city councilors are always bad here in Keene. I mean, they're still terrible. Yeah. But the but the people I'm talking about weren't city councilors. They were the, the louder voices against the Free State Project. So one of them was a local coffee shop owner who came down to one of the drinking game episodes at the council and he had a coffee cup which he had written on it, like, Free Keen from the Free Staters or something like that. And he assaulted Sam Dodson with the coffee cup by touching him in the in the face with it, apparently. And there was yeah. this big to-do about that. And this guy had founded a group called Free Keen from the Free Keen Stigma. Bit of a mouthful, but it yeah. was a thing for a short period of time, one of the local hate groups. And uh, that guy's gone. 
He sold his business to somebody else. He and his daughter, who is a communist, have moved out of the area. She ended up in D.C. He ended up in Los, place uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And, uh, and so there's just story after story of these uh, And I'll these bet people. they're happier. I hope they are. Right? And like this is one of the reasons that, um, you know, like I've sort of left the Free State Project is, is I don't want to give my life to my enemies. And I feel like that's what this is. And it's becoming less and less that uh, the Free Staters have done so much work. Now it's the statists who are giving their lives mm-hmm. to the Free Staters by, uh, you know, fighting the progress of liberty in um in the free state well jeremy kaufman has pointed out and i don't have the exact quote so i'm going to paraphrase him that the bulk of our opposition are old white women uh-huh. that, and and that, and that don't have kids yeah childless old yep. white women that's a great point yeah yep. and yeah i just pulled up the picture of Jeannie deach she fits the profile well, she, does, you don't she know if she's childish. Kids, though, right? I don't know if she has if she has uh, children. Is that the but... one who wrote this article? Yes. I think in her bio you said she had two kids. I was specifically okay, listening right. for that. Some of them do reproduce, but regardless, uh, she is an old white woman, and these are the this is the bulk, the bulwark of the New Hampshire Democratic Party. The younger ones that you were talking about earlier that don't really kind of jive yep. with them, you don't see them very often. Nope. They don't show up at these meetings. Same thing. There's an the intentional community the for these people. It's called the Villages down in uh, Ocala, Florida, and they're going to have such a better time mm-hmm. there at the you know little old ladies democratic club or whatever talking about how things should be and how bad trump is and you know she she can regale them with the stories of the terrible people up in new hampshire sure uh, lots of uh, granite Great staters stories. down there and it's just a better life for them and also look at what's happening to them from their own party the democratic party right now is in the news for what they're about to do to the democratic party in new hampshire and in iowa Got them. And, and that is they are essentially telling both of these par- these democratic state parties that they are not worth anything. Uh, they are going to deprioritize them in the primary coming up in 2024. The decision has basically been made. Now, apparently the Democratic Party has now extended the deadline for New Hampshire to come in line with their demands, which is not going to happen. What are and the demands? So- Isn't it like don't be white? No, the demand is that the Democrat or that uh, New Hampshire's government needs to go along with what the Democratic Party wants and reschedule its primary. Oh, well, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Correct. <laughs> so they but they've extended the deadline to mid-October to give the New Hampshire government the time to comply. Yeah. It's not <laughs> going to happen. Uh, so what's going to happen? The Democratic Party is dictating to a sovereign state how it's going to run its elections. Correct. New Hampshire, of course, has had the what they call the first in the nation primary for now, I think, more than 100 years, if I recall correctly. It's been some Sounds time. Right. And they're, you know, they're pretty proud of it. It's kind of a silly thing to be proud of, but that's what some of the politicos here, they're really into. And so even some of the Democrats are upset about this because they like being the, the attention. Yeah. They like being able to make decisions for the Democratic Party and, and so on. Uh, but the Democrats as a large, as a whole, don't much care for this. And the reason is uh, because New Hampshire is relatively, as far as its demographics, relatively white. And uh, there's not a lot of diversity up here. So what they want to do is they want to have South Carolina be the first in the nation primary because it's more diverse down there. And the Democrats say that's important to them. And so therefore they want that for the Republicans, too. Well, the Republicans aren't playing along with this. No, but well, not not today, but it may very well be that that's the case. If that does happen, then New Hampshire would be hard pressed to change its uh, its its view. But for right now, the Republicans 
are still kind of running the show at the state level in New Hampshire, even though it's close. It's like almost 50-50 Democrat to Republican. But a lot of Democrats don't want to change first in the nation either. They're pretty proud of it. So it isn't changing. No. But what they've said is if New Hampshire does not go along with the Democratic Party's suggestion that they change their primary to third in the nation instead of first, then what will happen is any candidate who runs as a Democrat in New Hampshire is essentially going to be blackballed within the Democratic primary process. Uh, RFK Jr. was recently talking about this. He's spoken out against what they're talking about doing because it's going to hurt him. Uh, And essentially what happens with these primaries is people vote in the state primary and then they have a, a convention, a national convention. The people who won in the state primaries, they send delegates or whatever to these national conventions. The delegates then cast their votes for who the actual official And the people's party votes person. really don't count. And we learned about all about that with Ron with Paul. With Ron Paul, right. Um, no, well, for yeah. the Democratic Party, it was uh, Bernie Sanders. Right. I mean, right. this, thing, guy, yep. this guy, uh, I mean, should have legitimately twice been mm-hmm. the, the winner. But, you know, there's always they're these little tweaks him. and stuff. But in this case, they're literally not going to count at all. Because the people who vote for RFK Jr. in New Hampshire are going to be completely ignored. Is my understanding, Biden will not even be on the ballot in New Hampshire. Mm. Uh, Which is a good way to say that it's illegitimate because, I mean, Biden's going to be the uh, biggest vote getter in all likelihood in every one of these elections. So if he's not on there, then it's like, well, what is this? This is is like some kind of straw poll. So what I'm saying is if the Democrats uh, don't get their way, and they're not going to in New Hampshire then all the Democrat votes in the primary in New Hampshire are not going to count towards who their presidential candidate is. And that's going to piss off the most advocate uh, activist Democrats. And they're likely to move out because of that. Free Talk Live. certainly got some people on the lines here for the final segment of Free Talk Live tonight, this live edition. It's Mark with you. Jay. It's Ian. Ian, I want you to... Do we have any other lives that we need to read regarding? Okay. Um, I want you to go through the conclusion here. That way I can get to the callers. All right. So here's more from the uh, 24-page report from Granite State Matters about how the free staters are working hand-in-hand with Nazis, which we haven't gotten into the claims about that, but that's this, essentially the suggestion that she's making here pretty heavily. Ridiculous. Um, and, uh, and theocrats as well, apparently, to take over New Hampshire and turn it into a liberty state I think that theocrats do see the value in liberty-oriented politics. Now, in the past, theocrats have been, far, have been very willing to use autocratic methods in order to get what they want, now that they are in the minority, well, just give them some power and they'll get right back. Yeah, into they'll the, get right the back way, to it. Yes. Uh, so, no, we don't want to team up with those people. The Republicans are only good on some issues and they're not pro freedom on a lot of issues. But regardless, she goes on here and this is her conclusion. And I'll share the full link on our social media at social.freetalklive.com. Make sure you follow the at FTL account. 
and you can get our show prep things that we talk about on the air. And you'll be able to dig into the rambling 24 pages here. But there's uh, not as much ramble in the conclusion. We'll get into that here. So, New Hampshire has been targeted because of its potential for takeover. Success here could domino to other states. The 2024 election will focus on the presidential race, but state elections are crucial. Militia groups will show up at the polls. Haven't seen that yet, by the way, so I'm not sure when that's We did have start. a pig show up one time about 10 years ago at uh, the polls. I see cops there all the time. No, no, I meant, uh, <laughs> I meant an actual swine. Will you stop comparing cops to pigs? Pigs <laughs> are such pigs. good animals. So useful, yeah. Uh, Plutocrats will fund disinformation to muddy any outcome not to their liking. If our democracy's foundations were still strong, those attacks would fail, as they have done so far. But libertarians are undermining democracy's foundations from below, as others attack from above. Libertarians' goal now is to regain uh, control of House Republicans. They are also... Bad sentence. They are also targeting county commissions, school districts, and local select boards. Readers of this report should understand clearly what libertarians intend to do to our democracy. They intend to uh, you know, seize control, the reins of power, and then leave you alone. Our system of education, Social Security, Medicare, public lands, and any pretense of environmental protection if that occurs. I love how they always complain about schools. Schools have been largely decentralized. I mean, you know, they... Um, huh? What do you mean? Okay, so fewer people as a percentage are going to government schools than have gone in our, anyone's lifetime. Sure, there was a big dropout during COVID. Plus the fact that um, charter schools exist all across the country. I mean, they're, you could call them government schools if you want, but they're certainly a step in the right direction in many cases. There's certainly ripoffs that come with charter schools. You need to investigate the school you send your kids to. But that's the thing that was never allowed previously when it came to government schools was you're just sending your kid to this school. Mm. Yeah, there's still a ton of government schools and they need to go away they certainly are uh meanwhile if national election or sorry if national election results lie in question the situation could become much worse the path from anarchy to dictatorship is short the public will accept secure authoritarianism over violence and chaos germany became a dictatorship and ended civil liberties all in 1933 to forestall have to do with anarchy <laughs> i think she's suggesting that if there is any sort of uh, going towards anarchy, that authoritarianism will take Flashback. over. I don't think that there that, was anything uh, anarchistic about Germany and uh, the way. Yeah, she doesn't running. know what anarchy is. Of course not. Just, you know, mental illness, lack of confidence, no wisdom, fear, fear you know, all these things. Doesn't want responsibility. To forestall takeover by drug lords, President Obrador put the military in charge of police forces in Mexico. New Hampshire refugees from the Dominican Republic and Peru report that gangs at home have become so powerful they shoot people who venture out for their cell phones. That's because governments won't let them have guns, right? right? What does this have to do with New Hampshire where, you know, people are well armed. There is no one being shot in the streets over a cell phone here. It just doesn't happen. Uh, She says, if residents want New Hampshire to continue to be our home, we must wake up. We must recognize that the groups fighting to destroy democracy are expanding here now. We must join together large government progressives and small government conservatives. That's literally what she's calling for, an alliance between... Well, that's the only thing she's got left. Yeah. If, you, if she could get those two groups together, she's right. Um, she would have uh, some, some success. But, uh, like, this is... I, I believe that the tipping point has been um, had in New Hampshire and that now that it's just 
it's There's inevitable. No going back. Yeah. yeah. And well, I've always said this, by the way, that the new, the that the free staters are going to be successful in New Hampshire. It's just that uh, you know, when you don't think they can keep it. I don't think they can keep it. I think the statists are going to move in afterwards. Well, I think the ev- evidence is the opposite. We're seeing the uh, successes of the Free State Project actually keeping statists away. We're seeing comments well, I mean, by people uh, look, that say they are not moving. Nothing works Hampshire. until it does all at once. If yeah. I have anything to do with New Hampshire's future by investing in our posterity and teaching these kids to be confident and competent, and then they won't need government, they'll just totally, you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna really. You know, it's, I believe in a good thing's coming. It's, I wish everyone be the best. I uh, still am of the opinion that uh, Morazon.city, that's the website, is uh, freer than New Hampshire will ever be. Otherwise, right we will find ourselves governed by extremists who believe in neither, meaning neither big government progressivism or small, small. government, supposed small government conservatives. Uh, if we do combine to save our democracy, we can stand as a model for other states being targeted. Those attacking democracy have enormous power, resources, and reach. But volunteers (laughs) can hold... This is the Koch brothers conspiracy. The idea that we're all being funded by the Koch uh, industries and Koch brothers. Uh, uh, She says, voters demonstrated this in Croydon when they voted down the free state agenda and candidates. And she's referring to when uh, there was a uh, there was a vote in, in Croydon. You mean uh, when free staters, uh, you know, got uh, people to participate in their local government? Well, what happened was the free staters, uh, a free stater went in and convinced the town meeting to vote to reduce the school budget. And then the status came in with big outside money. Yeah, Granite State Progressives gets a lot of their money from outside New Hampshire. The teachers union specifically funded a outreach program to every household in Croydon to propagandize them with, as from what I understand, misinformation and got them to turn out at a special election and undo it. Uh the press and social media must help raise alarm. They must not be afraid to investigate both violent fascists and wealthy anarcho-capitalists. They must portray the pain, destruction, and violence that accompanies anarchy and authoritarianism. They must reveal the process plutocrats are using to convince the naive and gullible to let them pollute and profiteer. Finally, she says, elections replace... New Hampshire legislature, executive council, and governor every two years. We can keep anti-democracy candidates out of office. The first challenge is to identify them. The second step is to ensure other candidates oppose them. The remaining step is for people to vote in every town, primary, special, and general election as if their own and their families' futures depend upon it. Because they do. And they are obsessed with figuring out who the free staters are. Especially, are they wrong very often? Like the 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 uh, guess the Fed game? I have no idea. Okay, um, I don't know who all the free staters are, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. But the Democrats are absolutely obsessed with this. Uh, if you enter the Democratic Party right now, they are going to suspect you. They're going to try to suss you out and figure out, you know, who you are and what you're really doing there. That I just sort of think it would be so much fun to run as a Democrat because I you agree. Could, I've done it because uh, you could just, you know, they're so easy to just kind of like verbally smack around because they're just they're, they're just so out of touch with well, reality. Well, I, I I think it is something that uh, should be done more often. I think more free staters need to run as Democrats, they need especially to- in college towns anywhere but yeah for sure there because you could totally identify with these college kids i mean just a dcyf issue all these college kids that come from cities they all hate dcyf Mm. they all know somebody who's been you know had their life ruined by them or they or they themselves have and they understand what's wrong with it like you know and uh just you know that's what i'm gonna do if i run 
Yeah, well, when I ran as a Democrat for governor a couple of a couple of elections here, you know, I, I took the libertarian message and I tried to couch it in terms that, you know, Democrats would agree with, right? Like to me, the libertarians are anti-corporate, right? We're against all corporations generally. We're against yep. especially the government corporations, but also the big mega corporations and things like that. Uh, we're in favor of the little guy. We want to have uh, people to have the opportunity to to you know raise themselves up and not have these mega corporations uh, unfairly competing against them. And uh, we're against corporate welfare. Like there's all kinds of things. We're against war. And there's a lot that we can talk about. Ready to go, the phones? Yeah, that's it. That's the uh, the fear mongering piece from <laughs> Granite State Matters. Law Dog in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, Mark. Is Mark alias Captain Kickass? No, Captain Kickass and Mark are two different people. Oh, I. Well, Captain Kickass did did he uh, partake in the annual witch, uh, ritual of? Um, the stiffing of the prostitute at the Pork or Fork Fest or not? I don't, I don't know, know what, what the stiffing of the prostitute is at the Pork or Fork Fest. Well, you know, that was that happened about a year ago. So, uh, you know, I was huh? wondering if he... Uh, well, tell me what stiffing of the... Like Without he didn't pay her? Too, yeah, I was going to say, there's two ways <laughs> you can interpret that statement. Yeah, but, I, uh, I think that, uh, you, you know, if you, if you use the services of a prostitute, you should make sure you pay. Are you saying someone well, hired a prostitute and didn't I, that, pay for he, it? He didn't pay her. You know, so it would be that. Um, where did you hear that this verbiage right there? He he didn't pay. Where, her, where did I you guess, hear this allegation? Services. Yes. Where, where did you hear this allegation? Oh, it was on the radio. I heard it. You know, where you guys were talking about because he plays in the band, doesn't he? He did have a band. Right now, I don't think he has a band at the moment. He's, he's a one man band. Yeah. Yeah, he's making his own music, but doing all the tracks himself. Okay. Well, it sounds like a funny bit that I don't know everything about. And I I'd be very interested in more about it. Thank this. you for the call. Yeah, I, I, I think Captain it. Kickass is a pretty honorable guy. I've never heard anybody say that. It's a joke. He, he didn't guys, pay me. It's just a. Okay. It's just a joke. Well, guys. it's a terrible joke because God. it suggests that people are, you know, stiffing. Have you ever seen a prostitute at the Porcupine Freedom Festival? Not openly, but I no suspect. I. I suspect some sort of agreement like that has gone on. I'll, I'll bet you that plenty has. of prostitutes in Manchester, New Hampshire, on Central Street and Lincoln Street hmm. and the Tree Streets. I used to do landscaping down there, and they were always bugging us. I'll tell you what: if somebody stiffs a prostitute at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, their reputation would uh, would take a take a yep. real hit. Sarah from New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sarah. Oh yeah, sorry. Oh, I just wanted to. Oh, Ian, you're. How come you're doing a show? I thought you were going to be in jail. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm still here. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. You're you're still there. Um, well, I just wanted to bring up the the laser technology, um, the alcohol detection um, system. What happened to that? That kind of got wet out the window. I thought you were following or, that. Why are you asking us? How come you don't know? Well, it was talked about. Uh, maybe uh, the was Ben Ray Lujan from our our senator. Was uh he was a, 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 an advocate up in Congress to make that and was talking. I'm pretty about sure that bill just, passed the bill that's going to require a ignition interlock uh, system on all cars after 2026. That's like old news. I mean that that passed. Are you saying you've heard that it's somehow not going to happen? My old truck's oh, going to no, get so, so valuable. So it is. 
Well, I'm just saying, when are, when are they going to start manufacturing it? Oh, it's going to be a few years. Yeah, I think oh, I think really? 2026 20, is the mm-hmm. soonest, and I think they still have to figure out whether it's going to be a laser detector or some sort of bloodstream detector using infrared. It, it'll be as easy as a kid using a VPN to bypass yep. the TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, thing in China, so we can get on real on uncensored TikTok. It, it, like all of these things, even like. Like so, you know, I know so many people have got cars that got OnStar, and they mm-hmm. just totally have them removed mm. because they can shut your car down with OnStar. They right. can track you; it calls the cops on you when you get in an accident. Um, well, I suspect they're going to make it illegal to remove this technology. Would be my guess, but uh, I don't know if the bill has that detail. Well, it's illegal to uh, you know put these tuners in your diesel pickup trucks. The EPA has been hammering on these diesel shops here for a couple really? of years now, uh, but guys are still doing it every day. Nice. Is that all, Sarah? Yeah, that kind of went out. But I mean, since uh, you know, self-driving cars are kind of stalled right now. But um, that, I mean, that sounds like a really next step up, you know. So, so self-driving cars. So this is a step between self-driving cars and what we have now. Is is the uh, at the very least you can see that the driver of the car is sober. Is that the idea? Right. So it's, uh, the thing is, the car would not even start at all. Well, you just, just have your kid blowing that. it. Don't worry about it. No, it's not that blowing. It's, it's, not it's, be like to, that. it's a laser that analyzes yeah, be some your breath thing. or something. Yeah, sure. It's not like you blow like, into like it. He said, look, like Sarah, believe me, Jay's right. There will be, before the, the first car rolls off of the factory line, somebody will have a hack for this. Yeah, there's hacks for everything. And uh, especially cars are so easy to hack. Even like, you know, there's there's people who rank cars and the first thing they do is disable the GPS tracker in a car because mm-hmm. they understand about it. I, I knew guys that used to rent trucks from like uh, these, tr- you know, truck rental places and they would just disconnect the odometer and run the truck because <laughs> you funny. paid by the mile. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call, Sarah. I do appreciate it. Well, where there's a will, there's a way, certainly. Anyone who's really driven to uh, disable this new technology is going to figure out a way to do it. You're absolutely right about that. You know, the the person who really wants to drive drunk down the road, they're going to have the will to uh, to sure. figure this out. So, so it's probably going to actually not but stop some of the worst drunks. It's also unless just too something faced to actually follow the instructions. It's just something to maintain. I don't drink at all, and. Uh, or rarely, I should mm-hmm. say. You know, if you have like a toast or something, I'll participate. I'm not that uh, big of a pain. Right. But, um, you know, I don't drink, so I just don't want to deal with it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But and a lot I don't people... want to have to fix it when it breaks because it's going to mm-hmm. definitely have a little light in the front. Like the car's not going to work. The car right? won't start. It's just another thing to break. Yeah. 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 Let's reboot this particular computer in the car. Major Payne calling in from Michigan. Lots of Michiganders tonight. Free talk live. Hey, guys. Um, I just I wanted to mention that uh, Hunter Biden's actually going up on three gun charges. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but the, hmm. the funny part of it is the law he's being prosecuted under is one that his old man was uh, pushing back in the late eighties. What goes around comes around. Well, well, I mean, what is the point of this? Is it just for show? Because can't Daddy just pardon his son? Is it a federal? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think at best he's a Judas goat. Well, Mark did ask a good question. Are these federal charges? I do believe. Yeah. I think that yeah. the, the answer is is that um, if he goes far enough, yeah, he could pardon his son. And right. I think that at the end of his uh, term, he would. I mean, that's just how it's done. 
I think yeah, that's one of the big, big things that Trump really messed up is he had the opportunity to pardon a lot of people on the way out. And uh, instead, he's just like, ah, let's have a revolution. Yeah, Trump's just a puppet, just like all of them. He's just part of the program. By the way, this apparently is a uh, federal gun charge in regards to being a drug user. And there was recently a court decision at a federal court, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which circuit, that determined that this is an illegal law, that this law is unconstitutional and it needs to go away. And so maybe this will uh, move that along. Maybe there's going to be a challenge to this. Yeah, I, I hope Hunter Biden, Biden beats these he charges. Should beat this. Yeah. Um, if anything, he should be charged and prosecuted for his money laundering crime. Even that, actually, he shouldn't even be charged and prosecuted for that because, like, well, I don't know. And I guess unless he was stealing whatever's been stolen or swindled and in- influence peddling, um, you know, with the Ukraine, Burisma, you know, quid pro quo mm-hmm. stuff. And, and also... You know, there's um, there, there, there's way other things that are better to go after, you know, Hunter Biden for. But of course, because, you know, they're all just a bunch of corrupt crime family. They're going to they, they'll pick this thing where the federal where a federal court has. So maybe Hunter Biden is actually doing us some good by, you know, setting this precedence. And, and you know, the gun laws are going to be, you know, uh, less. And, you know, we'll have more gun freedom after this Hunter Biden thing because, you know, he needs to be protected because he's, you know, part of a crime family. Mm-hmm. So and then, you know, uh, you know, the old man Biden pedophile guy there won't even have to, uh, you know, pardon him. So they're uh, coming after him, apparently, according to NBC News, when he purchased a Colt Cobra revolver in October of 2018. He did it through the federal firearms system, system. right? So you have to fill out forms that then go to the ATF, as I understand it, and they approve or reject and um they approved it because they didn't know better apparently at that time but on the form he stated that he was uh not an unlawful user of addicted to any stimulant narcotic drug or any other controlled substance well if you're asking somebody to determine whether they're addicted or not that sounds like a, a clinical uh, diagnosis unlawful user uh, well what's an it unlawful say and not addicted. at this moment like, I am not unlawfully using drugs at this moment. And maybe he will make that argument if this does go to trial, although I suspect he'll be given a plea deal and will like Maybe the big it. guy that's been pr- protecting him for years, you know, and, and sort of allowing and incentivizing him to be a bad actor his entire life will just abolish the ATF. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> it's fine. I Anything don't else, think Major you pl- plan for that one. I think it's the drug law that the old man was pushing, too. I remember, right? Probably. Yeah. He's a big drug warrior. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Thanks for the call. Jay, um, apparently they're doing some kind of uh, barter here with Silver in New Hampshire that you want to talk about? Yeah. So uh, if you guys remember Silver Dave, uh, former Special Forces guy, he's got a lot of good information. We'll try to get him on the show sometime again. Uh, But anyways, uh, he come up with the uh, Silver Barter Bag, available from jmbullion.com, the ultimate survival tool. This is the most important silver in your stack. You would use this to purchase a basic essentials like a dozen eggs from your neighbor or a basket of vegetables. One ounce of silver may be too big. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to pay, um, like, you're gonna, your neighbor may not have enough eggs for you for one ounce of I don't want $25 worth of eggs. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's about what it is, right? $25? I think that's what it is right so now. So it's better to have um, tenths of an that's ounce. Right to buy things like that and that's what these are yes you pay a slightly higher premium to buy 10 pieces of silver in an ounce than one but when you go to spend it you have so much uh greater uh spendability every time you make a purchase you will pay with just one single tense 
tenth over a silver instead uh, uh, instead of an ounce. You save 90%. The Silver Barter Bag. Check it out at jmbullion.com. And so, yeah, I actually, a uh, couple weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, I paid a guy, local guy here with hay. I showed him a couple of these things uh, when I bought some hay off him. And the next time I went to go do business with him, he goes, bring me a, he goes, I'll, I'll, uh, he said, I'll, I'll trade you 100 bales of hay for 100 of those 10-ounce things of silver. And that's what we did. Nice. And, uh, and I also did it with some gold backs. I, a few guys, I bought some calves with some gold backs from another guy. Uh, and then the one tenth ounce silver people really, really like them because they just, especially the old farmers, they just understand, you know, the, the divisibility, the, the utility, like people are like, I want a hundred, hundred ounce bar of silver. What are you going to do with that? And then, then as soon as you start cutting a hundred ounce bar of silver up now, it's no longer a hundred ounce bar of silver. It looks fishy. I but- must say that a hundred ounce bar of silver is very interesting to look at. Um, but the utility is is highly questionable. Yeah, it's like having a Ferrari. Yeah, a hundred ounce bar of silver. The um, <laughs> on a gravel road. In right, New right, Hampshire. and yeah. and and you know the the the, the hundred ounces of one tenth ounce silver is like having a you know brand new four wheel drive diesel pickup truck, basically. Yeah. Indeed, I um I I like the idea of doing business in uh, hard currency, uh you know silk gold silver, even cryptocurrency things like this, uh because it steps out of a system. That empowers liars, thieves, and killers. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's good practice for when things collapse. Like my friend from Russia who moved here to New Hampshire, uh, but he, he moved in the 90s from Russia, said that uh, Russia had such a healthy uh, black market economy before the collapse that everybody was trading within the black market because R- Russia was socialist, communist, whatever. Right. And they just, everything was taxed so hard that you couldn't trade in the above board market because you just got beaten down so bad financially that everybody used the black market and everybody was, you know, so the black market was, didn't get, uh, basically the black market was still there when Russia collapsed. Yeah. That's how the people It's already survived. in place and it was functioning. And so people, you know. If uh, we have a financial collapse here, uh, like a lot of people are predicting, and you haven't been practicing in the black market, whether it's cryptocurrency, silver, gold, you know, barter, whatever you got. Um, if you're not exercising that, it's going to be really hard for you mm. if there's a financial catastrophe. Yeah, it helps if you can create those connections right. now, right? Yep, Rather they're than so valuable. desperately later. Well, I sincerely hope that uh, we can get uh, Silver Dave here on the show on Free Talk Live so that he can uh, talk about his uh, work and what he's doing. I'm very interested. He was a great host, too. Loved having him on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, check us out in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Ian, we're going to make big changes to the website here shortly, right? Yeah, good point. Thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah, there's something coming. Yeah, something coming. Something worth keeping an eye on there at freetalklive.com. Or I, I, we have an alternative site called ftl.fm if it makes you happier. Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. 
Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com